on today's show, we welcome back singer, songwriter, and nine-time Grammy winner, Cheryl Crow. Listen to that at home, and I think you're singing to me. I'm actually delusional. I was. I really was. Oh my God, that was fun. theme song that Rob wrote. I, of course, am on it, of singing, adding to the fun. Uh, people have... People can't believe that I'm on this. And neither can I. I'm pretty sure I'm not. <laughs> Rob swears I'm on it. I, I uh, sometimes find myself going, where's Howard? <laughs> you and me both. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, Rob Zombie. You know, I... Uh, I, I tell the story that um, we were, of course, very busy with our animal rescue. Beth, super busy. Uh, a couple of, I don't know how long ago, maybe a year ago, we uh, had a cat that was 19 years old, which is old for a cat. And he was not in good shape. And uh, his name was uh, Mr. And uh, the zombies, Rob and Sherry. They, they adopted him from us, which we were thrilled about. They're great cat owners. And they have a great setup for their cat. And Mr. Zombie it was so... Uh, they, they, named, they kept the name Mr. and then they named him Mr. Zombie. So Mr. Zombie, which uh, this cat I love, was living with Robin Sherry. And then uh, Robin Sherry wrote us last night and said, uh, with, a, with a sad heart, we have to tell you that Mr. Zombie died in our arms. What did? Let me see what they wrote. I'll read it. How, to you. Uh, it so was upset. about a year ago that you say they took. I don't Mr. remember Zombie exactly. In. I'm guessing. I could be wrong. Let me see all these texts. Of course, I got a million texts about Dave Chappelle being attacked. Uh, hi, Beth and Howard. With the saddest hearts, we wanted to let you know that Mr. Zombie passed away this morning. He was surrounded by us, and we were there for his last breath. Oh. Um. We were so thankful that we got to care for him almost a year. Yeah, that's a year. He was such a sweetheart, and we just miss him terribly. Yeah, they love Mr. Zombie, and he fit into their family really well. They had a couple of animals, and, uh, you know, it just sucks. So I was thinking of Rob and Sherry, and uh, they were the best. Uh, Mr. Zombie's last words were, me and ow, meow. He put those two <laughs> words together and said goodbye to the world. Oh. But uh, I loved Mr. Zombie. I am so, my wife and I were so sad last night when we went to bed. I, I, uh, you know, she reminded me, she said, at least Mr. Zombie had a good last year of his life. He didn't have an easy yeah. life. So there you go. Mr. Zombie, rest in peace. And, uh, you know. You have to celebrate what was, not that he's gone. Not that he's gone. Thank you for that, Robin. You just completely elevated my mood with your words of wisdom. That's <laughs> well, why I but, love you. Well, know, you know, we have a habit of just going, oh, he's gone and we're going to miss him. Instead of, wow, wasn't that great? He had this fantastic last year. 
Thank you. Thank you. Oh. Thank you, Robin. Uh, we have robin if i said to you you could only live a year but you get to live with the zombies sherry moon I'm and rob that yeah of course you are <laughs> believe me i said to rob i wish mr zombie could return as an actual zombie and live with the zombies <laughs> beth Those was uh, writing that usually turn out to be so nice yeah beth was writing them last night and said something like um we're just so glad he got to be a zombie. And I said, that's so funny. <laughs> but she didn't mean it funny. She meant, right, right. No, right. It just turned out that way. I should have changed my name early on to something like zombie. I, I love it. I love that Rob's name is. I forget what Rob's real name is, but he legally changed it to zombie. And he is a zombie. That's and right. He lives it. Yeah. He loves horror. He loves uh, horror movies and He's he loves zombie. the whole gothic lifestyle. You he know, loves like it. he's into the whole thing. Well, I'll tell you what, Sherry and Rob, and I've spent time with them, uh, you know, socially. They've stayed at my home. They are two of the greatest human beings on the planet. I can tell you that. I just love that guy and his wife. And I tell you, we uh, sit and talk. And. Rob is one of the most down-to-earth, you know, I don't like people who are full of nonsense. People think I like nonsense. I don't like nonsense. And he is a straight shooter. He just says what's on his mind, and he doesn't, there's no nonsense with that guy. There's no But he looks like he should be up to nonsense. Yes. That's yeah, the best. He, that's the <laughs> tricky part with him. I, it took me a while because I was like, he looks like he's full of nonsense. <laughs> you know, with that look. And you go, and then you're talking to him. You go, this is like the most sensible, down-to-earth human being. You know, you think he'd be running around nude in the in the forest somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> like a crazy person, but he's not. You know, people think that with me. They think they're going to get together with me, and I'm, I'm going to sit there and do my radio show and be um, an animal. Yeah, you're going to be I'm, wild. Well, Rob is one of the most well-adjusted human beings I've ever met. And he's a great guest in your home because he behaves properly. You would think he would misbehave with that look of his. You would think he'd be throwing talcum powder all over the house or something. Well, you know, I'm but, thinking about, you know, two guests in your home. Rob Zombie and Ralph. Now, by looks... That was a disaster. You would say that Ralph would be the sensible one and Rob would be no. the problem. No, but uh, I'll tell you what. I invite, That's when I used to have Ralph to my home. I don't have him anymore. He lost all his privileges. That because was, he's up to nonsense. Yeah, I invited Rob over and, uh, and Jimmy and Molly were over and, um, and it was like a New Year's and... And I had Ralph. I thought Ralph must be alone on New Year's. And I like Ralph. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to invite him. He's lonely. And I asked the group, do you want Rob? And we took a vote. It was a vote where you put a vote in the hat. So no one would oh, have yeah? to be like, yeah, like, like, like an election in the United States. Like it's an anonymous. So nobody had to own up to saying no. Yeah. But uh, boy, the vote was close. <laughs> I think Ralph got in by one vote. <laughs> and uh, that was it. He was acting. He was acting out. He was. He said rude things to Rob. 
And Rob said, I'm going to beat up Ralph. I know he's your friend, <laughs> but I'm going to take him in another room and I'm going to beat the shit out of him. Uh, like just like in high school. And I said, Rob, uh, don't do it. Let me go talk to him and this will never happen again. He's never come to home again. <laughs> and he's never been in Dover since. <laughs> I mean, Rob Zombie never vomited in my washing machine, so. No. No. curfew and had to keep the staff up. Nothing like that. Rob has said in many interviews that growing up he wanted to be Alice Cooper, Steven Spielberg, Bella Lugosi, and Stan Lee. And he succeeded. He is all of those people. Think about it. He is Alice Cooper. He is Steven Spielberg. He is Bella Lugosi. And he is Stan Lee. So he succeeded in life. Uh, and I will never expose him to Ralph. That was the only mistake. That was the one mistake. Yeah. Nobody should He's, be exposed to Ralph. <laughs> no. I, I've said this to Robin in private, and I'll share it with you. I said, Ralph is the type of friend best enjoyed from afar. And Robin <laughs> thought that was accurate. She liked it. You know, Rob is into horror, and not much scares him. But he finally met something that scared him. And it, was <laughs> it, had, it took you to show him something scary. Yeah. I said, all right, scary man, you want to get scared? Here we go. <clears throat> You want to meet something scarier than Frankenstein and Dracula put together? <laughs> anyway, so Mr. Zombie's gone. Uh, cheers mm -hmm. to Mr. Zombie. So many people wrote us and said um, they love this uh, bit yesterday, Robin, uh, about people <laughs> masturbating. Uh, yesterday we played the staff caught masturbating game, and the fans did love playing along at home, along with you and High Pitch. Our... Such a good segment. Hearing each and every masturbation tale on Tuesday was a winner. How do these guys get over these unbelievable, humiliating moments in their lives? Yeah, I know. These guys act like it's no big deal. But I tell you, if any one of those stories happened to me, where like Ronnie, if I was jerking off with a friend and the brother walked in, or if I got caught jerking off in a, a toy box or uh, you name it, I would have been humiliated. Uh, Howard Richard jerking off in a toy box to avoid his Rambo-inspired neighbors spying on him is a hilarious image. I can't get it out of my head. Best segment ever. Oh, my God. I love Ronnie and all of his disgusting honesty. He's the absolute best. Thanks for all the laughs. You know, when I met Ronnie many years ago, uh, I was scared of him, honestly. I only hired him as a limo driver because his prices were cheaper than everyone else. He won the um, bidding war. <laughs> I remember talking to my agent who was vetting uh, various people for me. And uh, he said, hey, I got this strange note from this man who claims he drove you to Hartford to do a uh, stand-up spe TV special. I said, yeah. I said, yeah, don't, don't talk to him. <laughs> um, if you're looking for a limo driver for me, I, I don't talk to he, he creeped me out. And he said, well, I did talk to him and his prices are lower by about two or three dollars an hour than everyone else. I said, you're kidding. I said, he's really not. But, and then I went, okay, let's give him a shot. <laughs> that's the, that's the God's honest truth. <laughs> And uh, I came to love him. And, and one of the things I loved yeah. over the years 
was his honesty. He'd sit up there in the front of the limo and tell me his thoughts. And they ranged from absurd to scary to <laughs> funny. Oh, they were, it was all over the place. And I went, oh, my God. Sometimes it's too much. The honesty, it's wild. But I enjoyed hearing 69! his story. And so uh, I'm, I feel very proud that I've been able to bring Ronnie to you. And his honesty is the greatest. You know. You know, he's not slightly embarrassed that he put yeah, a dildo in Yeah, how many guys are going to tell you they were in a room masturbating with another guy? <laughs> I'm proud of it. You know, like, it's nothing. Um, like, it happens every day. Like, everybody does it. I have to tell you, I feel like, um, I love the bit because I feel like a champion for never getting caught. Like, I'm a <laughs> superior masturbator. I don't know how anyone gets caught. I mean, my doors are locked. The, the, the audio on the porn is low. I mean... uh I'm ready to pull my pants up at a moment's notice. There's nothing relaxing about it. I'm always in a, I'm almost like a deer in, in, in the headlights. Um, Howard, I don't know who was more scarred by that segment, the listeners or Will's son. Yeah, Will's son caught him uh, masturbating. That Good was the Lord. one I thought about. I said, what in the world is yeah. that poor boy going through? <laughs> hey, Megan. Megan's Good on morning. in New Hampshire. Good morning. What's up? How well, I wanted to share my story about my son catching me masturbating. You got so, caught. I got caught. By the my way, was uh, I was. Were you in a porn that I watched? Because this is kind of uh, <laughs> what? Uh, mom's no. getting caught by their sons masturbating is how everything starts. Uh, are you starts. now looking that up? <laughs> oh man, I'm looking it up. I've seen it. <laughs> All right, what happened to you, Megan? And 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 by the way, are you hot? Um, I I sure. <laughs> Uh, thank you. All right. That's the right answer. <laughs> Smart woman. Yeah. yeah. By the way, you, people tell you you look like a cross between Angelina Jolie and a young, um, um, uh, um, uh, pick, pick, pick one, Robin. Uh, Zendaya. A young, you just met. Uh, Zendaya. You look a little bit like Zendaya, Megan Fox, or maybe, uh, Angelina Jolie. Is that correct? <laughs> yes. All of the yeah. above. All of them. Okay. Go ahead. So my husband at the time, he was a truck driver. So I enjoyed um, my time alone. Let, let's just say that quite often. Um, right. And we <laughs> we just got back from a cruise. So I didn't have a lot of time alone, obviously, on the cruise. So I was like, well, my son's at football practice. Let me have a little bit of time by myself. So I was laying on my bed, had my tablet. I was going to town. And I completely knew nude? That, Were you completely yeah. nude? Oh, yeah. yeah. Completely you, nude, of course. Do you shave that thing? <laughs> I do. You do. Okay. <laughs> we need a visual on that. And what size breasts? Say D. Um, 38. 38D. 38D. All right. Good. All right. Yeah. 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 So, <laughs> so I'm going to town, and my son walked right in my bedroom, and he's like, oh, you're having a good time. And he turned around oh. and left. Did not hear his old truck come into the driveway, and there was no football practice that night. I about you know what's weird. Um, and by the way, uh, you say you were totally nude. What were you watching on the uh, tablet? Um, just basic porn. I don't remember. Okay. It, it and what do you use? <laughs> do you use a vibrator or your hand? Oh, a vibrator, of course. Oh. Right. Well, let me tell you something. 
if I had caught my mother masturbating, I think <laughs> I don't know what I would have said or done. I don't think she ever did it, but I mean, I, uh, uh, <laughs> mom, uh, it's me, Howard. What are you doing? I'm in the middle of my masturbation. I know, mom. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to walk in. Listen. There's nothing wrong with masturbating. And there's nothing wrong with looking at my body. After all, I look like a real woman. <laughs> Not like those magazines you look at. Your sister and I are real women. All right, Mom, I'm going. <laughs> now get out of here. I'm going to town on myself. Right. I would be so... Was your son traumatized? Well, we haven't really talked about it. He did not come home that night. He stayed at a friend's house. Um, and <laughs> wow. we just kind of acted like it never happened, which is bizarre because we're really open about a lot of things. So that was right. really bizarre. It was just insane. Well, let me tell you older, something. now that we do kind of joke about it. It is very healthy that you're the kind of mom that didn't make a big deal about it. My mother would have, like... I don't know, berated me or made me feel weird. Oh, can you imagine her telling yeah. the story to the neighbors? Oh, Howard walked in on me. <laughs> well, I mean, the fact that you and your son can talk about it and the fact that he could look at you and go, oh, you're having a good time with yourself and then leave. I don't know. I think there's something healthy in this story. So, you know, it's a good lesson on how to handle a situation. God only knows what would have happened with my mother. Ah, uh, oh. Listen, I lost my vibrator in my bush. You better help me find it right now. Mom, maybe shave that thing down. I don't shave anything. I don't even shave my legs. What's with all this shaving? Don't you think Dad might like it if you took that, you trimmed that bush down like a two or three inches? Listen, your father likes what I have, and don't you worry about it. So do you go and tell your husband what happened? Oh, yeah. I called him right away. Um, <laughs> and he just busted up laughing. He's like, why didn't he lock the door? Well, I've locked the door, even though he's all, my son's moved out. I now still lock the door. <laughs> Absolutely. Just, oh, I'm so protected now. Can I ask you a question? Why? Sure. I, I assume it sounds that you, by the way, you sound lovely. And you do Thank sound you. like you're very hot. I don't know what the reality is, but I choose to think that. The, you, you, and you sound so perky and pleasant, like somebody I'd want to live with. And it sounds to me like you and your husband have a pretty good sex life. Why, why do you masturbate? In other words, does your husband not give it to you good enough or he doesn't give you enough? G give me the real answer. Well, at the time he was over the road truck driver. Right. So, so he wasn't around. home. He would, he would come home like, you know, once a week or once every couple of weeks. I see. Okay, got it. So you took care of business. And I mean, I'm sorry. I can take care of my business pretty good. Um, sometimes better than he can. So I have know, heard I have from sex experts. <laughs> I have heard from sex experts. And don't ask me how I know. This, I was going to say, where it. where are these people? Where, where do you? I had them? a friend. I'll tell you what. <laughs> I'll tell you what I'm referring to, Robin. I had a friend years ago, a woman, who was single for a long time. And she had really stopped dating. And she went to a psychiatrist and uh, or a, was some kind of expert. 
And uh, the expert said, why are you not out there socially? I'm worried about you. Why are you not getting out of the house? Why are you not dating? Why blah, blah, blah. And she described that uh, she bought a vibrator and she's very happy with it. In fact, possibly in love with it. You know, like just <laughs> love the whole experience and said, I just feel totally satisfied. And the doctor said, I want you to stop. Please stop with the vibrator. Stop masturbating. Because in your case, I feel it's become a crutch. You're not going out. You're not meeting people. Sure enough, uh, she took the advice and uh, eventually got married because uh, it forced her to find a human partner rather than a mechanical one. So that's why I asked the question, why are you masturbating so much? And uh, your answer makes sense. Yeah, and I have the best of both worlds. I have, you know, my I can take care of myself and I can take care of my husband. So it's, it's well, that's good. what I'm saying. Did you find after a while, even when your husband would come off the road, that you were like, you know what? I'd rather just be with my vibrator, so I'll avoid sex with him. I don't avoid sex with him. I just supplement. Okay. All right. That sounds healthy. Yeah, that I sounds agree. healthy. Here's Stacy Megan. She says uh, she got caught too. This is evidently a thing. What? Yes. All these women? Stacy in Tennessee, what happened to you? Um, well, um, my my husband had left out my vibrator after we had used it because uh, it was just a fast night. And the next morning, my kids ran in the room, grabbed a hold of the vibrator, and I'm in shock just sitting there like oh my goodness because they were around four and five and he was like that's mom's flashlight sit that down (laughs) there you go uh if your kids find your vibrator make sure you tell them it's a flashlight i like that story (laughs) oh my god so many people danny you got caught too in texas i did when you had the e-show on when you used to be on the e-show and you did the east coast and then west coast feed my wife was yeah. pregnant, and I was watching the East Coast feed, and there was lesbians on there. And it, you know, this is back before it had porn accessible. So I was watching it, and then my wife went to bed, and I was waiting for the West Coast to go around. And I, I got the KY, that little pussy in a bottle stuff, already. Was laying on the couch, had my drawers down, was fluffing, you know, waiting for you the show to come on with the lesbians and I fell asleep and oh. then my wife came in my wife came in there and woke me up. <laughs> I had my cock out, the little pussy in a bottle. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm the I'm the reason you got caught. I, I, you're blaming me all these years. I understand. Yeah. Yeah, you had right, some lessons right. on there that was ready to go. Oh, I sure did. Boy, I had some hot lesbians. Well, there you go. Thank you, Danny. Let's go to uh, Lisa. Lisa, you're on the air in Wisconsin. What's on your mind this morning? Howard, how are you? Hey, now. Hey, hey now, baby. <laughs> hey, Robin. Hey, uh, why is no one talking about Harry Styles these days? I know he was one of your last in-show or in-studio guests right before COVID, right? The kid yes. is blowing up. He's phenomenal. Your thoughts on... Just his depth of lyrics, his production, his influence on teen swings, young adults these days. What do you think? Well, Lisa, you'll be happy to know, since you bring up Harry Styles, Harry is returning. Harry will be on. Uh, let me give you Let me give you some musical notes, because we have some good guests coming in. <laughs> um, uh, let's see, and then I'll get back to jerking off, because 
Yeah, well, a couple of jerk off stories Styles, in the news. Huh? <laughs> but yeah, you can jerk off to Harry Styles. Harry Styles <laughs> will be here. I hope I have this right. In two weeks. <laughs> two weeks from today. Um, two weeks from today, he will be here and he'll uh, be wow. doing some performance. We'll be talking to him about what's going on in his life and all that. All right, Lisa. So there you have it. Yeah. Well, I'm coming to New York to see him on May 20th. He'll be at the. That's right. I believe. So, so we'll be talking with Harry uh, live and in person. All right, there you go, Lisa. Now I'll tell you some other notes real quick. Out of the water, it sounded like she was in water. I know. I I have no explanation. (laughs) I hear other talk shows, and uh, the the phone calls are crystal clear. (laughs) Everyone on our show, you got to sort of. I know because sometimes I listen back to our shows. I go, all I hear on these calls is. And I'm like, I don't know what I just heard. I hope, I hope someone explains what I just heard. Um, all right. So let me tell you a couple of musical notes real quick before I forget. And then I want to talk about a couple of jerking off stories. Um, and I'll, and I, well, anyway, uh, we've got next Wednesday, uh, Smashing Pumpkins and Jane's Addiction, uh, come together. Forward to that. I'll tell you more about that uh, later next week, Robin. And also, uh, today, Cheryl Crow will be with us. She's got a fabulous new documentary out, Cheryl, premiering on Showtime May 6th. And uh, we'll talk to her about that. She's going to do a performance today that I think will blow your mind. That woman is so effing talented. Yeah. Uh, I love her. Just love her. And uh, I have so many questions after watching her documentary that uh, I have to go through with her. Here's another musical note I want to make. This is an announcement that um, I'm really happy about. Uh, Def Leppard, the legendary band Def Leppard, will be performing a Sirius XM Small Stages concert, and you will hear it on uh, our channel, Howard 101, on May 27th. For those of you who are fans of Def Leppard, I went to see Def Leppard. Where the fuck did I see them? Now, I saw them. In like I think it was the Beacon Theater, and I, it's a couple of thousand seats, and it was a kick-ass fucking show. And uh, I gotta tell you, it, it it was mind-blowing to me how good the band still sounded, you know. And uh, so we we oh, were happy mean, to this bring was you recently. You you heard yeah, that. yeah it was it, it was a couple of not, years ago. Yeah, not back in the eighties or nineties. So Death Leopard's going to perform on our channels. On a new limited-run Sirius XM channel, also Def Leppard Radio, starting that same day. The concert is just for Sirius XM sub- subscribers at the, listen to this, at the Whiskey A Go-Go in Los Angeles. Ooh. Uh, they're doing this. Still bu- open. Yeah, they're doing this before Def Leppard plays 36 major stadiums this summer. So uh, I saw them with a couple of thousand seats to see them at the uh, Whiskey. I don't know That's how many seats. That's even more intimate, yeah. Even more intimate, so I think it'll be a great show uh, for you who are Sirius XM subscribers, and that'll be at the Whiskey A Go Go in Los Angeles, and you can hear it here on Howard One Hundred One. Do you want to add to that, uh, Fafa Fohai, who is uh, very happy this morning because uh, his Mets and the Yankees, mm. by the way, are on a winning streak? I meant <clears throat> to mention that the other day when I had Lenny Dykstron, who used to be <clears throat> in the New York Mets. <clears throat> I care nothing uh, about the Yankees, but uh, right. the, the Mets are doing great, but the Yankees are doing better. Uh, but they're the, they're the Mets and the Yankees have the two best records in baseball right now. Wow. Clear your throat, Gary. Go ahead. I'm good. No, it sounds like you need to have a little phlegm in there. 
<laughs> there. Okay, good. I think I feel fine. You do? Oh, okay. It's <laughs> concerned. Um, yeah, no, the Mets are, the Mets are, uh, they, their owner is like not only the richest owner in baseball, but I think he's richer than like the next five owners after him. And he has no problem spending money. He does, in fact, they Who owns the Mets now? I mean, uh, Steve Cohn. Steve Cohn. In other words, uh, yeah, I'm out of it with baseball. You know that. Mm-hmm. I remember the Mets were in financial trouble because the owners got ripped off by Midoff, and they they had some sort of thing. Did they sell? They sold the team to this character Cohn. They did. They did. Yeah. I mean, the Mets. The people who owned the Mets before. Well, they all they will say was that they were with Bernie Madoff, but they swear they didn't lose any money. They're the ones oh, that didn't lose any okay. money. Okay. But um, but uh, yeah. So Steve Cohn has like crazy money. Um, in fact, a lot of the owners didn't want him in because he's so rich. He, you know, but he had to get voted in. So like, there's a guy in the Mets that the Mets got, and I think they have to pay him like forty million dollars, and he just sucks. And so they had to reduce the team a couple of days ago, and they just cut him. They just got rid of him. So the, the, you know, other teams might be like, oh, we're paying this guy forty million. You better play him. They're like, no, we're just putting out the best players we can. They got a new no. manager. Uh, this is what I, this is what I always said the Mets need. I said, New York is the, you know, number one city in the world. It is the center of the universe. How the fuck could New York have two teams, not one, two baseball teams and not have a winning team every season? They should just throw tons of money at the situation. And, uh, sure enough, you tell me they're doing it with this guy, Cone. Well, it's May, but yes, he took over the team, I think, the year before last, and he immediately just spent a lot of money. He's like, yeah. So New York way. Get a shitload of money and fucking spend And buy a team, right? (laughs) Damn right, Robin. You got that right. I mean, not to crap on the Yankees, because I'm not a huge Yankee fan, but they've they've won 11 games in a row, so they have the best record in baseball, and their guys are playing well. As it should be. As it should be. All right, there you go. But um, to the Jeff Leopard thing, I just wanted to say, the whiskey, you know, uh, Sirius does these small shows, so they did Kiss there a couple of years ago, and I went. It was amazing, but I think it's um, a little bit under 500 people. So, wow. you know, it's, it's, it's a small place, and then they're going to go on the stadium tour with, like, Motley Crue and Joan Jett, so it should be great. Those are unbelievable experiences. To see a band of the caliber of Def Leppard with the amount of hits and everything they have, to see them in a 500-seat venue is insane. It's almost like sitting in your living room, so that's about as good as it gets. I'm thinking of the time. Remember when we were at K-Rock, Gary, and you went on that cruise with the Red Hot Chili Peppers where I think we only had 92, because we were 92.3, 92 or something people on the cruise, and they got to see the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Was that it? Was that the right thing? We, we weren't on a cruise. We were um, up in uh, the North Alaska. Pole. Alaska. Oh, no, no, no. We're the, uh, the North Wasn't Pole. Wasn't even Alaska. But, but oh. we, we were on. Isn't we the stayed? North Pole Alaska? Who knew? No. The I thought it was. The, magnetic the North, North Pole? Pole? Wait a second. Magnetic North Pole? What the fuck are you talking about? That's straight at the top of the world. And you're saying that's <clears throat> not in Alaska, the North Pole? It is not. You're saying <clears throat> Santa Claus lives in the North Pole, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I always thought Santa him. Claus lived in Alaska. I didn't know that. No, no that's where he summers. <laughs> oh, I see. So the North Pole, how close is the North Pole to Alaska? I think it's pretty far. Wow. I gotta look at a map one day. Imagine if yeah, you went. Yeah, it would be thrilling. <laughs> I have no idea. Like, I have where the... no idea. It would be thrilling. I'd be like Copernicus. <laughs> <laughs> I would be an explorer like uh, Columbus. Wow! Who knew uh, that there was something up there? 
the Come on, you guys. There. I'd be like, hey, we went to the North Pole. I was in Alaska. And everyone go, you idiot. You weren't in Alaska. <laughs> you were somewhere else. You were somewhere called the North Pole. Oh, okay. We yeah, not only anyway. stayed, we stayed in the area. We stayed in a Russian ice cutter. Then we took a helicopter to the actual magnetic North Pole, which I think people like pay a lot of money to just get out, put a flag down to say they were at the top of the world. But the show, the Red Hot Chili Pepper show was on an army base, you know, not far away. And I believe it was like, it wasn't a K-Rock show. It was a Molson show, but I think it was a hundred people. And it was, I mean, it was, it was tiny. And, and, and I think 60 of them were locals. And, and did the Red Hot Chili Peppers perform like they do, like full energy, like do their whole thing? They did Give It Away. They did Under the Bridge. They did everything. Uh, the Violent Femmes opened for them. I mean, it was really a great show. Although for 100 I read, people. Yeah, I read in, um, in, uh, um, Oh God, well, I can't remember the lead singer's name. His book. Anthony Kiedis. Anthony said he hated, he hated the show. I don't well, know why. I he just said he hated it. Well, I'll tell you why. Because they're major performers and all of a sudden they're performing for a hundred people, but they probably got paid a fortune to do In it. The a fortune. Uh, yeah. And they had to go to the North Pole to do it. It's no. not like they Robin. walked out of their house and they performed for a hundred people. They didn't even go to the North Pole. They went to the magnetic North Pole, whatever the <laughs> fuck that is. That's what they kept telling us. You know, Gary, your teeth is so big. Did the magnets at the North Pole mess with your fillings? Like, did they start flying out? No, everything was fine. <laughs> Look at this. You want to get confused? There is a real town in Alaska named North Pole that has year-round <laughs> Christmas decorations. So I, I just, just, I always thought Alaska... You that was the North Pole. <laughs> so, Gary, are you saying this magnetic North Pole... Why do you call it magnetic North Pole? You're That's the what they kept saying. That's what they kept saying. I just well, why so, do you say I, I, like there's something to that? There's must be a North Pole and a magnetic North Pole, and you're not really on the North Pole. <laughs> That's kind of what the whole thing was. Like we, wow. you're near the North Pole, but if you go to the magnetic North Pole, you're really on the North Pole. Gary, so you were you were on the magnetic North Pole, not the real North Pole. <laughs> I don't know where it was. <laughs> so close, Gary. <laughs> I have no idea. It is crazy. Wow, magnet! I don't know anything about it. I'm very sequestered, by the way. <laughs> you might be confused because the year before they did, uh, the same beer company did a show in Alaska with, I think it was Metallica and Hole. And that was yeah. in Alaska. Well, Steve Kingston, our old program director, always writes me emails and he's like, Hey, Howard, do you remember when we were K-Rock and uh, we put together that show with, uh, you know, the Red Hot Chili Peppers or, you know, the Hole or... Uh, and I just write him back. Yeah, Steve, sure. Yeah, sure, I remember. Yeah, no problem. I don't I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. I have no idea. Remember when we were at the Magnetic North Pole? I go, uh-oh, I better look that one up. I didn't know there was a Magnetic North Pole. I don't like that Gary says Magnetic North Pole like he's some sort of expert. He didn't even know what it is. You know, Robin, doesn't that annoy I you? I know, I know. He doesn't know where he was. He doesn't know why I, he was. Right. <laughs> I, I'm not bragging about it. I'm telling you, that's where they told us. We no, were. I don't that's like that you said you were at the Magnetic North Pole. But that's where I was. You were at the North Pole. Just sure, say the North the, Pole. But if I say the North Pole, then you think I was in Alaska. I don't even know. What, I'm Evidently, <laughs> I don't know. Magnetic North Pole, North Pole, Alaska. I don't know any of it. I have no idea. So Alaska is not near the North Pole. Go figure that one out. That is wild. That's wild stuff. <laughs> I remember when we flew, we went above something that they call the tree line. And it's just like, there's. it's like literally you can see from the plane, it's just like 
green stuff just stops growing. It literally just goes from green to snow, and that's it. Uh-oh. There's the green line. Paul. I better tell Paul. Uh-oh. Hope we make it to the Red Hot Chili Peppers show. Gary. <laughs> Look, both, no more green. <laughs> both. One minute I was looking at green, and the next minute I wasn't looking at anything. I, saw I mean, that's what it is. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> I'm a world traveler. Uh-oh. Can't wait till we get to that magnetic North Pole. I love magnetic anything. <laughs> I don't know. Gary goes, I was at the magnetic North Pole. I don't even question it. He could be on the he could be on the magnetic moon right now, I believe. <laughs> oh, I'm here on the magnetic moon. What I thought it was just the moon. No, no, no. They're telling me it's magnetic moon I'm on. It's right next to the moon. Hmm. It's a real place, the North Magnetic Pole. It's a real place. No, magnetic North Pole. I feel like Buoy Magellan. <laughs> Uh-oh, here's Gary Puppet. Yeah. Did you know that the only green I saw after the tree line was the green on my teeth? <laughs> I saw that one coming like a fucking haymaker. You saw it like you saw the tree line. <laughs> the only Man, look. green trees, green trees, green. green teeth. There you go. I'm pining for green teeth. By the way, there is four magnetic North Poles. Could you guess which one I was at? Hey, Fred, if you can break character for a minute. Do you, yeah. Did you know there was a magnetic North Pole? You probably knew that. I did know there was a magnetic North Pole, yeah. yeah. And it, it's, it's very unclear as to where it is because apparently with the Earth, it shifts. It's moving. That's right. They say it's moving fast. Jerry Puppet, did fast. you hear what Fred like, said? It yeah. moves. It moves <laughs> like my You bowels. wouldn't even go to the same place now, <laughs> Carrie. You have to go to a different place. Wait, which magnetic North Pole is it going to be? Are the Red Hot Chili Beer Peppers going to be at number one, number two, or number three? Wait, well, I think I'll head off at the pass. Number four. Everyone will be excited to know Gary Audiobook is on the uh, phone and wants to share his story with us about the magnetic North Pole. Go ahead, Gary Audiobook. This is my list of the most amazing things that I've got to do that I thought I would never do because I was involved with the show. So, number one. Seeing the Red Hot Chili Peppers play on the North Pole, got invited mm. to uh, one of those gigs where they did it was for Molson. Magnetic North Pole. My wife Pole. and I went. We were on a Russian ice cutter and going by icebergs and everything, and then we went and saw the Red Hot Chili Peppers with 150 people. It was great. Wow. Thanks, uh, Gary Audiobook. There you go. Number two, now, shooting a machine gun oh. out of a Black Hawk helicopter 150 miles north of Kandahar, uh -oh. Afghanistan. And I Once he's you, on, he doesn't if shut up. Man, yeah. and somebody gives you the opportunity to put both hands on a machine gun and shoot it. It is the most amazing feeling in the world. What's that music behind you? 20s dance hall music? I mean, what's going on there? <laughs> right, I hear you. Number All three, right. meeting President Clinton. Now, I've met a lot of celebrities in my All life. Right. Uh, Get lost. I don't know Another list. <laughs> I actually shouldn't have hung up. I was curious about that one. I've met a lot of celebrities in my time. Arnold Schwarzenegger, this one, that one. But meeting President Clinton, oh, my God. I couldn't handle it. Right, that guy, was the greatest. That yeah. was the greatest. By the way, did you know that plantains don't grow past the tree line? <laughs> I didn't know that. Gary, why in your, in your book did you say North Pole? And here you explain magnetic North Pole. Uh, I don't know, Howard, maybe because I was just trying to be more precise for you. Mm. All right. 
And finally, wow. there is no North Pole to go to. It's a spot in the Arctic Ocean. There is no land. So, oh, you see, I knew something, that. It was a bit of the... a stumble on my part. <laughs> I'm magnetic hey, Gary, North Pole. You were not knowing any magnetic North Pole. <laughs> By the way, Robin just, Robin just busted you. You no, can't no, no, have. No, no, no. no, no. But Robin he just busted on, you. There's no North <clears throat> Pole to go to because there's no. You land just busted there. me. I'm confused. <laughs> Here, I'll read from this science book. The Earth is one big magnet. The magnetic North Pole is also known as the North Dip Pole. It moves miles every year. Yeah. Who gives a fuck? I feel like I'm back at school. They had to go zoning. find it, Howard. They were like, are we there yet? Nope, nope, nope. It moved. <laughs> Let's get back to jerking off. So <laughs> anyway, <laughs> here's uh, well, you think our staff is weird. Listen to this headline. A Southwest passenger airline passenger has been banned from the airline for life and is awaiting trial after being caught masturbating four times on a single flight. Four times. Yeah. Where was he uh, going? To the magnetic yeah. North Pole? <laughs> Uh-oh, it's going to be a long flat ball. <laughs> the female passenger he did this in front of said the guy came four times during the three-hour flight. Three-hour flight, he came four <clears throat> times. Impressive. Wow. Yeah. Uh, he, he, used, he was ambidextrous. He used both his left and right hands. What a show-off. If that wasn't enough, he was also seen licking a white substance from his fingers. Oh. 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 Look at your face. You're like ready to vomit. <laughs> People. I guess I guess he was destroying the evidence, Robin. Uh, yeah, I guess there was no place for him to clean hmm. up. If you eat your own jizz, it's the perfect crime. They can never find a, any evidence. The man's name, Antonio Sherrod McGarity, claimed he asked that female passenger if she minded if he masturbated first. And she put her hands in the air and said, it really doesn't matter. Well, uh, what about the rest of the passengers? I mean, they get a vote in this, don't they? Yeah. I mean, you stand up and you announce that to the whole plane. Do you mind? Mm. <laughs> this is like a guy saying, can I show you my thickness? And then sending right. you endless yeah. pictures. Um, yeah, I mean, if she gave him consent, uh, you know, that's one person on an airplane. You got to get consent from everyone. How many people in that row? Not yeah. just the woman sitting next to him. Maybe she thought it would be a one and done and she didn't realize it would be a Sal-esque marathon, you know. <laughs> Stay home like me. That's the moral of the story. Uh, by the way, speaking of uh, masturbation stories and everyone uh, praising the bid yesterday, uh, Sal and Richard did remind me that they once jerked off on the same flight together, that they each individually went into the bathroom on a plane and, and masturbated. Guys, you want to tell that story real quick for those who have forgotten it? Like me. This is why I don't travel with them. <laughs> yeah, like Sal did it first and then came and told me and was laughing. He's like, you should go do it. So I felt the peer pressure. <laughs> How old are you like, guys again? I forget. <laughs> I turned 48 recently. I'm 52. Yeah. Wow. But this so Sal, was a you're while. on the plane and you go, hey, why not kill some time? I'll go in the bathroom and jerk off. Yeah. So then Richard was like, yeah, that's a good idea. So he went into the bathroom. With just his socks on, and he sits in a puddle of piss, so now he has piss all over his socks. Oh. <laughs> that is true. 
I used to have wet socks. Which was planes. grosser. Which was grosser than him jerking off on the plane. But I recall on the way back, uh, Richard and I really loved that idea. So on the way back, I did it again. And I went to the bathroom, and it was taking me a while. So Richard was online with a bunch of people. Yeah, like five people waiting for the bathroom while he's in there you, beating off. Did you bang on the door? And what did to make you do, Richard? I did. I started banging on the door. I cut the line. And I was like, what's this guy doing? I knew it was Sal. But then I even went to the flight attendant. And I'm like, there's some guy in the bathroom taking forever. Can you say something to him? And, so <laughs> and, and then and Richard the said, plane. I saw him grab a news. Yeah, I said he, he said, went I in saw there with grab a newspaper. A newspaper. <laughs> yeah, dude. it was the and it was the Sunday Times, uh, <laughs> and yeah, Sal. all the people in line were bitching about him. It was so great. Yeah. With all the pressure, were you able to? Uh, were you jerking off, or were you? Uh, what were you doing? Were you shitting? Uh, at that time, I was. I think a combination of shitting and jerking off. I usually try <laughs> to kill two birds with one stone. If, if, if I shit, I have to. You know, yeah. I figured like, why? What, you know, make be, one trip do for all. <laughs> Yeah, it's like a, it's a shame to be sitting on the bowl that long and not jerk off. You, know? you must come out exhausted. You probably fall asleep in your chair when. Uh, <laughs> oh, that I slept happened. like a baby. Oh, and everybody <laughs> clapped when he finally came out. Like the whole airplane clapped. It was oh. the funniest thing. But how does Sal not die of embarrassment? I mean, well, you know, yesterday telling him the horrible one horrible story after another, and he just is like, it's like it just rolls right off his back. It's an amazing thing. Yeah, isn't it, we Richard? opened a treasure trove once. Sal yeah. was unleashed of talking about being caught masturbating. Mm. All these horrible stories came out. Yeah, well, this is the only place where you can kind of get rewarded for all the bad <laughs> shit you've done, you know, because it makes good stories. It does. All right, guys. Thank you for that. So there Thanks, you go. Man. A lot of fans writing in. They love uh, everyone, the staff getting caught masturbating. I did want to mention that the uh, it turns out the White House Correspondents' Dinner, which I was talking to you about, I was watching a little of it, and I said, no one's wearing a mask, Robin. No, and it was. we were both, like, incredulous. Like, what the heck? They These people were crowded, packed into well, a room. They couldn't sure not enough, we breathe said, on each other. We said that had to be a super spreader we were watching, and sure enough, journalists are now coming down with... Uh, who all attended this White House Correspondents' Dinner. They all have uh, uh, COVID. I mean, <sighs> that's it. I guess we're yeah. just getting it now. We're not trying to avoid yeah. it. We're just getting it. Yeah, but I don't know. I hate to be a, a Debbie Downer, but they keep saying that uh, things are getting worse out there and we could end up with a new variant. I'm just afraid we're going to, you know, keep spreading and spreading until this thing gets strong enough to create something that the uh, the vaccine can't combat, you know, but what do I Who know? Knows? Gary I went think... to see John Fogarty at Capitol Theater a few weeks ago. He didn't wear Did a mask. He? No, he's a boss. I'm not wearing a mask. My teeth will protect me. They're like a <laughs> amulet. Gary, how could I you not wear a mask? COVID. Uh, COVID's afraid of my mouth. <laughs> and nose hair. My nose hair is so thick it keeps the COVID from. It's like a, a, a built-in human mask. That's right. It's the nose hair yeah. and the teeth. They can't. COVID can't get past those barriers. Yeah, you didn't uh, wear a mask, go. huh? <laughs> I mean, I was I was actually sitting in an area where there weren't um, there was nobody sitting with us. But yes, I didn't wear a mask. Well, you say wait a minute. Sitting with you. when did you not wear a mask? Did you wear a mask into the venue and then I take think we it did. off? I think we wore a mask in the venue, but we sat down and we took it off. Uh, but oh. I can't remember. The but, but, but at that point, but really, what's the point? 
You know what I mean? Like, why wear it here and not wear it there? It all seems so stupid. Either you're wearing it the whole time or you're not, and we did. Dude, we're listening to a song. What? Mm -hmm. What do you want to say? It, John Fogarty, 19 songs. Every one of them is a fucking hit. And the guy, I looked it up, 77, like playing like he's 25. Ridiculous. Uh, there are guys who age and can sing. Their voices don't change. I remember Fogarty was at my uh, birthday party show. Yeah. He, did. he was fabulous. And he was one of the most energetic people on stage. Yep. Yeah. some guy, And then some guys fall apart. Well, well, you know, I understand now. It sounds like it was worth a shot at long COVID to see the great John Fogarty. Yeah. In the days since the correspondence dinner, reporters and staffers from CNN, ABC News, NBC News, CBS News, Politico and other participating news organizations have tested positive for COVID. So. So every news organization now has uh, COVID. COVID. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Fantastic. The best thing was uh, the president pointing out that um, all of Fox News was there. And they're, you know, telling people not to have the vaccine and not wear a mask. And he said, oh, it's all the Fox News people are here. And they all had to prove that they were va double vaxxed and double booted, boosted. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, there they are all sitting there. Just want you to know they've all had two vaccinations and two booster shots. Uh, the other big news story this morning is uh, Dave Chappelle got attacked on stage. It's very weird because I woke up and uh, I get an alert on my phone that Dave you Chappelle You get Dave Chappelle alert? <laughs> Evidently. I didn't know. But, uh, you know, and, and it's funny. They draw these conclusions that I don't know that are they're accurate. They said Dave Chappelle was attacked after his uh, special on Netflix where he was perceived as transphobic, uh, et cetera. So they start, you know, they make you think. They tie things together that may not have any relationship to each other. Yeah, I mean, the guy could have just been a kook who was either jealous of uh, Dave Chappelle or uh, was a crazed fan who's yeah, they trying haven't to impress his a girl. Motivation. Yeah. yeah, they don't know, but they tie it in with the trans um, uh, controversy. And so, you know, it's really not accurate. You don't know what was on this guy's mind. Maybe by now they know. But um, it seems that Dave Chappelle was on stage. Guy ran up. They they claim he had a knife on him. So it was a pretty uh, dangerous situation. Uh, many people are saying this is a result of uh, Will Smith attacking Chris Rock, that people are attacking comedians. And I got to tell you, uh, I hate to say it, but I've always thought, I told you, I used to do live uh, with America's Got Talent. I always thought it's these live shows and everything. It's crazy because people are getting nuttier and nuttier, and they're going to use these opportunities to attack people. But well, evidently... Every comedian had to be chilled by yes. that attack on, on uh, Chris Rock because they are in a live venue with people very close to them. Now, I saw some tape of Chappelle, how he handled it. I mean, I can't believe how cool, calm, and collected this guy is. He came out afterwards, and I'll tell you, I mean, you know, when you perform on a stage, which I've done, you you are so vulnerable because you're not really thinking anything other than you're caught in a um, in a very a tunnel vision of 
I'm performing now. Here's what I need to do. And you're super hyper-focused. Uh, anybody who has a job knows when you're doing your job and you're in the zone, you're hyper-focused on it. And so being on stage is really weird because you're not, you can't sit there and go, I hope no one from the fucking audience comes out. You got to yeah, be into the. And you can't the, see, you know, like you no. can hardly, you have very little of a line of vision. So you're just. That's right. Right in the zone. Yeah. So you're hyper-focused. And then, um, uh, one, you know, unlike the Academy Awards, uh, Jamie Foxx came running out on stage and helped Dave Chappelle. Because afterwards, Dave Chappelle brought everyone who had participated in this Netflix event. It was some sort of a show, you know, of many performers. Uh, the, he said, oh, now you all come out on stage. But then he said, I want to say a thank you to Jamie Foxx, who put on his sheriff's hat and came out and took care of the situation. And I've uh, I've been in a room with Jamie Foxx. He looks like a powerful dude. Well, Evidently, I was going to say, he's always, you know, he has those action movie roles you know he probably has learned a few things about fighting <laughs> from right. all the roles he's done now here's the point i want to make about this and how fucked up hollywood is and they and you know some people in that audience at the academy Awards should still be very ashamed of themselves i hope they are now this guy jumped up on stage and attacked dave Chappelle. let me ask you a question Soon as that happened, did they let him go back to his seat and laugh and sit next to his wife and then give him an <laughs> award? No, they took him backstage. They broke his arms and hands so bad that when they carried out this attacker on the stretcher, his arm, there's a video of it. You can watch it. His arm is twisted backwards. It's like no human arm ever. They, they, they broke, they broke his hands, his, his wrists, his arm. They fucking beat the shit out of him. But at the Academy Awards, the same exact thing happened. And everyone came over and consoled Will Smith. No one. There was no Jamie Foxx. No one helped out Chris Rock. Nobody said anything. No one said, throw this fucking guy out of the room. I told you, I said, uh, you know, after watching it, Chris Rock didn't have a friend in the room. No, he didn't. <laughs> because it was live television and Hollywood didn't know what to do about Will Smith. It's Listen, you don't treat Will Smith any different than they did the Chappelle attacker. The audience at the Oscars gave Will Smith a standing ovation after the attack. That's the truth. It's on film. It ain't fake news. They didn't break Will's hands. They shook him. And it's wrong. And they all should be ashamed of themselves. And, the and producers he's still a free man. He's never been charged with anything. Nope. Uh, he can't go to the party for 10 years. Oh, my <laughs> what a what a punishment. Uh, here is uh, here's some sound for what it's worth. It's not very good. You know what they do at these shows now. They confiscate phones so people won't tape things. But, you know, there's always some guy who figures out how to get yeah, a phone. Somebody in there. That's can how, get the phone in. Yeah, that's how we have this tape. Here's a uh, audio anyway of Dave Chappelle getting tapped. Some noise for hip hop history. Uh, here's Dave Chappelle uh, after the attack, uh, inviting people out on stage and then giving a special shout out to his hero, Jamie Foxx. Oh, now everybody comes out for the curtain call. 
show up in the sheriff's hat. <laughs> Nigga, I thought that was part of the show. I don't know what the fuck is. I grabbed the back of that nigga's head. His hair was spongy. Absorbent. I've been doing this 35 years. I just stomped the nigga backstage. Always wanted to do that. Well, there you go. A lot of the N-word flying around. But a lot of energy in that room. I'm ready to get off this fucking planet. I'm sick of everybody. Oh, boy. <laughs> you are I just not can't going take anywhere. living here anymore. You know who you sound like? So stupid. You know who you sound like? My mother. <laughs> Robin, I want to go too. Wait for God to take you. I'm going you. with your mom. Robin, Robin, it's a sin to take your own life. <laughs> ay, 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 How can ay. you people stand yourselves? Oh, God. Yes, Jessica in Rhode Island. Howard, Robin, hey, how are you guys? We're good. Good. I wanted to talk to you, Howard. Um, my grandmother had dementia, and she lived with us until she passed. Um, and when she when she had dementia, she couldn't care for herself properly anymore. And I think what might be happening with your dad with these hallucinations, he might have a UTI. She used to get UTIs all the time, uh, urinary tract um, infections. Jessica. And I yeah. have so many doctors on my mother, and yes, my I mother, know. my mother did have several UTIs, which we have cleared up. Okay. Now she's she's doing much better, but her problem wasn't the UTIs. She had long term COVID, <laughs> I believe. This is a, you know, but my mother's no, doing better now. But my father, but your dad, yes, it, with the hallucinations, yeah. my grandmother, when she would get a UTI, hallucinations are actually yeah. almost like a side effect. Well, I'm like having him checked. See... I'm having him check for UTI. I'm all over that. I'm on this. I'm on this. I'm sure. I'm sure. She just. Uh, I'm telling you, to... I'm on it. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank of you. Thank you. <laughs> she says, your daddy have a UTI. I go, I know. I have a doctor checking him for you. She's still hawking me in China. <laughs> ah, yes. Thank you. Thank you, my mistress. Thank you, my mistress. Again, my mistress. I, I tell you, you people, drive, people drive me crazy. I might I'll go with Robin. I, I tell you, you know, <sighs> woman, woman calls in. Hey, Howard, your mom might have a UTI. Your father might have a UTI. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I have a doctor. They're checking him for UTI. Howard, I'm telling you, my grandmother, she was hallucinating. I, I, I just told you a piece of information you're ignoring. I, I know all about UTIs and what it does to old people. I should get a medical degree. I know so much now. They should give me an honorary medical degree after taking care of these two. Ay vey. Ka-ching. Just went up again to two uh, full-time aides, 24 hours a day. Don't ask what's going on over there. Yesterday was fucking crazy. Now my mom's coming to I don't even get how you have to have two there at all times. One person can't take care of these two people? Nope. You have no idea. They are. I wonder what's going on over there. I got two full-time babysitters. And that's it. I mean, it is insane. Well, I had it down to one at night 
And then my father started going kablooey, running around, no clothes on. He's, he's fucking he's screaming. They're coming to get me. Don't ask. And so he said, I, I got to take. And my mother now has gotten feisty. She's like, um, hello, hello. And, 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 and my father's in the middle of going wacky. And my mother's like, <laughs> I need help going to the bathroom now. Where is everyone? <laughs> like, and, and then they'll go, hey, we're, we're just dealing with your husband. We're coming right to get. No, I need help now. Oh, my goodness. She has uh, gotten so demanding. Oh, my God. Yesterday was crazy. She started calling Beth. I was unavailable. I was in a meeting. So I don't know. Beth comes in and goes, I've been on the phone with your mother for an hour. I go, an hour? She goes, yeah, it's crazy. I go, what happened? An hour? She was half dead the other last week. Now she's on the phone? Yeah. So she, picture the setup. My mom's in bed. She's got the aide there with her. She wants to call Beth. It's an emergency. But the aide is right there. What emergency could there be? Needs Beth. (laughs) Beth. So, wait a second. So Beth gets this call. It's the aide. um, And my mother now is yelling while the aide is holding the phone. Beth! Beth! And, and Beth starts yelling through her cell phone. Yes, hi, hi, Ray. Beth, can you hear me? Ray, I can hear hear you. I can hear her. Oh God! Does she hear me? Ray, I hear you. So finally, Beth says to the aide, "Can you tell?" my mother-in-law that i can hear her so then now it's like a three when you start dating it's like beth says she can hear you <laughs> i can hear her but she can hear you you don't have to yell what you don't have to yell beth can hear you i don't hear anything so this go, this is why it was an hour. So she, so finally my mother catches on that Beth can hear her, even though my mother can hear Beth. Ugh. Beth, get a piece of paper to write it down. So Beth gets nervous because all she wants to do is please my mother. Cause you know, it's right. like a big deal to her. My mother loves her and it's like she wants to only come through for my mother. That's why she's always ordering her food from DoorDash. Don't ask. Beth, please get a piece of paper. It's important to write it down. That's I can't wait to would... hear what she needs to write down. When I tell you, you're not even going to believe it. I don't even want to tell you. <laughs> so Beth is scrambling for a piece of paper and a pen. Finally gets one. And then it's more of the same. It's like, yeah. do you have a piece of paper? <laughs> I, I, I said to Beth, just yell out the window. She got a better shot at hearing you. <laughs> She goes, Ray, I, she says to the aide, can you tell my mother-in-law, and, and in the midst, midst, can you tell, I can't hear, can you tell her that the, the piece of, I have the paper, Mrs. Stern, she has the paper. She has the paper, okay, Beth, write this down. So Beth's like, oh God, what is this, it must have something to do with either their will 
or something to do with my father's behavior or 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 she wants to make a statement to uh you know to be not resuscitated we don't fucking know yeah this what, has got to be important but this is now since she's gotten better now all of a sudden she's come to life she goes beth write down the following there is a tv show on in the afternoon are you writing this down yes what did she say she says yes mrs what yes mrs stern (laughs) okay bath bath there's a tv show on in the afternoon i believe it starts at 12 o'clock I don't know. Maybe 12.30. Yes. And there's three couples. And they have colors. Red and banana. Right. There's no color banana. What? I go, never mind. And they ask each couple questions. And if they get it right, the audience gets money. Yes. I need the name of the show and what time it's on. I watch it. I don't know the name. Can you find out? So Beth's now in shock. She don't even believe it. <laughs> so it's like so she comes running to get me. Honestly, I was on with my psychiatrist. That's the meeting I was in. So I'm rocked from the psychiatrist. I, I open the door. She goes, your mother's been on the phone with me for an hour. I go, what? Wasn't she dead last week? <laughs> She's like, Jesus, she'd been resurrected. I said, what's the? She, she tells me this story. I go, a TV show. And she's calling you? She goes, I don't care. I have to come through for your mother. We have to find out the name of the show. Call John Hine. And I'll get the name of the show. I go, I don't even know. I mean, I, I, she had she, I, she had explained this to me three different times. A TV show <laughs> with red and banana. And the audience is getting money. And they're matching. And it's celebrities. And I go, like, this is some show. The what the fuck is, the is she, fuck is she watch? Exactly. So I don't know what happened, but then my mother gets a call. She, my mother decides to call Beth again about an hour later while I'm, <laughs> I said, I'll get the information from John Hine because he's like Mr. Television. With that, the phone rings again. Now she calls Beth again. This is the second time. And uh, I was on a meeting at this point. Beth! <laughs> Beth, can you hear me? Yes. Can you tell my mother-in-law I can hear her? The name of the show is Channel Tales. And it's on... Tattle Tales? Isn't that like an old fucking... Yes, that was a hundred years ago there were Tattle Tales. She probably thinks it just got started yeah and she's seeing she, all her favorite stars well she loves tattletales <laughs> who knew and then she goes it's on at 12 o'clock we're gonna watch at 12 <laughs> okay 
<laughs> then my mom got angry with Beth. Oh, no. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. You've been sending me food. Don't send food. What is this you sent? Oh, that sent her yesterday $60 fucking grilled salmon to my mother's door from DoorDash. Now she's berating Beth. Listen, what is this you sent? Let's go <laughs> salmon. My mother doesn't know salmon. She knows salmon. So she goes, what? Ask her if it's fresh. Oh, God. And the and the aide goes, is it fresh? And, you know, it's embarrassing. Like, yes, it's grilled salmon. We just sent it to you. What did she say? <laughs> if I tell you each conversation is yelling and uh, takes hours and uh, oh, my God. This is what's going on. In the meantime, I'm on the phone with the doctor trying to get my father what, uh, what, how to medicate him because he's hallucinating. I said, just tell her we sent our old salmon. We don't send fresh salmon. We sent 10-day-old salmon that hasn't been refrigerated. That's right. You got it out of the garbage, uh, and it was whole, and so you sent what? it to her. It's old salmon from the garbage you sent me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, what the fuck? <laughs> I mean, so she yelled at Beth, said she didn't want us sending salmon anymore. Didn't uh. want us sending food. I said, good. I'm already paying for food. Now I'm getting new food. <laughs> A fucking crazy day, man. I'm telling you. And this is my whole day. I thought yesterday would be a calm day. Yeah, but I just am amazed. There's a woman sitting there. And she's calling Beth about a TV show. Yeah. Yeah. Like this woman has no abilities except to hold a phone. I think the woman, no, she does. She's really smart. In fact, the woman said to her, I think after they hung up, uh, excuse me, but that's Tattletales you're talking about. <laughs> I see you watching. It. That's how she found out that it was on at noon and uh, it's Tattletales. But my my point mother is that your mother thinks she needs to call Beth while someone's sitting there. You know what it is with my mother? She's got a big yap. She tells everyone off except for people who are helping her because oh. she, 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 she's, she's one of those people afraid to ask for help. She thinks she's bothering everyone. Well, she is. uh, Yeah. (laughs) She's bothering the people she shouldn't be bothering. Yeah. Anyway, that was my day. That's only like that's I'm not even telling the story properly. How it it, it goes on and on and on. But the the communication is so difficult. Anyway. Have mercy. Live from Texas, ZZ Top. Have mercy. Hey, now. I'm going to say this, and I can't even believe I'm saying it. I believe ZZ Top might be hmm, I think as a trio, you know, Dusty, Frank, and um, and Billy Gibbons, I'm thinking at this point in my life, I think they're a better trio than Cream Buzz. I might go along with you on that. Yeah. They're sexier. They've stood the test of time. They're, um, some of the Cream songs, and I love Cream. I told you I cried when they broke up, but 
I believe that ZZ Top has surpassed them in terms of musical excellence. And and I'll tell you what, I think for my money, Billy Gibson is a better guitar player than Eric Clapton. All this, you know, Eric Clapton is God horseshit. Uh, well, I think he I, must have started that. <laughs> maybe. I mean, the Stones, they started calling themselves the world's greatest rock and roll band, and it stuck. Yeah. So, But they might have been right. Uh, I'll tell you, ZZ Top is so good, I travel to see them to the magnetic North Pole. Uh, I've, I've said that before, and I'll say it again. <laughs> magnetic North Pole, Paul. And we were run on a Russian ice cutter. <laughs> he keeps throwing that in. Russian ice cutter. I wouldn't go on anything Russian. Those fuckers can't build it. Not only is their army blow, but I don't even think... Uh, you know what? We're so afraid of their nuclear bombs, they probably don't even work. They probably will blow themselves um, up. Let's hope. You know, I was almost going to say that the ZZ Top might be the greatest trio of all time, but then, you know, I know everyone's going to say Jimi Hendrix Experience. I might even say Jimi Hendrix Experience. Um, And the police... Mm. You know, there's a lot of good trios. Not a lot, but well, ZZ Top. What can. a Dusty Hill! Boy, that guy's gone. Rest in peace. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, waiting for the bus. That's good. Um, why do you have to rank everything? Is there an importance to ranking? Yeah. You have to rank. You have oh, to you rank. Do? <laughs> yeah. You do. You just have to. You have People to. love it. The people love it when I rank. <laughs> you know, we've done tremendous amounts of audience research, and they say the ratings go through the roof when I start ranking. <laughs> people want to know where I rank everything. They I love it. Are. Everyone's waiting by the radio, waiting to hear if ZC Top is better than Cream. <laughs> And what do they do if they thought the other way than you did? I mean, are they devastated? Yes. Yeah. People <laughs> hang on my every word. So I, I constantly rank. Robin, you should know this, of course. In fact, you do know it. I know you know it. Um, we must rank. Now, <laughs> speaking of ranking, uh, and I will talk to Cheryl Crow about this. I do not believe Cheryl Crow is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which is a joke, which is the whole oh. point of her uh, documentary. But I'll get into that in a minute. Um, I understand the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominations or whatever they call them were uh, put out today. Uh, I don't know who's in or out, but. Uh, well, these are the nominations. Me... This is who you vote for or is this who has been selected? I have no idea. John, give us an update. Howard, these are the inductees. Oh, the new members of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame are. Pat Benatar. About time. Well deserved and and terribly overlooked. Yes. This is an alphabetical order. Duran Duran. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Typo. <laughs> All right. Eminem. Eminem. What? Okay. Eminem. Eminem's good. Eurythmics. Okay, I go with that. Dolly Parton, who said she, she did not want to be. Well, now she in, will accept. Then rescinded. She is a now proud member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. <laughs> Lionel Richie is now in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. <laughs> Are there any That's Rock and Roll people in the Hall of Fame yeah. <laughs> besides Pat Benatar? <laughs> and last but not least, 
Carly Simon has been elected to the Rock and Roll. Oh, it's about time. Well, you know what it is, why it sounds funny. Um, it, you know, the definition of rock and roll for most of us is pretty narrow. You know, we don't, I, I, I respect Lionel Richie like crazy. Anybody who could write that many hit songs for the Commodores and then it's a solo artist and for other people as well. For other people too, yes. He's an amazing, uh, you know, musical career. But you don't think of Lionel Richie in rock and roll. The same with Dolly Parton. You don't think of Dolly Parton in rock and roll. And Dolly Parton said it herself. She goes, when I put out a rock and roll record, I'll be inducted, you know. <laughs> so it's really, to call it the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is absurd. It really is just a musical Hall of Fame. That's yeah. what it is at this yeah. point. Just take the Eminem. rock and roll off of it because it makes it weird when you hear some of these names. Eminem is considered one of the greatest rappers, if not the greatest rapper that ever lived, but he's not rock and roll. So you laugh at these nominations and then you take uh, bands that have been in rock and roll for so long. You're you going to tell can... me ZZ Top is not in the rock and roll home? No, they are. They are. Okay. Of All right. Because I was just thinking. But, yeah. you know, before Duran Duran, don't you think right. there's some other bands? Yeah, I can name a lot. I rock can... and roll hall I'll, I'll, I'll name a bunch. Jethro Tull, the Moody Blues, Cheryl Crow. Um, come on. You know who I want to nominate for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame who's never been put in? Mozart. Mozart. He was really <laughs> popular in his day. Sold a lot of, well, he A lot of records. influence in rock and yeah. roll. You know, he's one of the influencers. Sold a lot of, t he influenced ELO, I believe. <laughs> but there you go. Well, Howard, the other thing they do is they now have the Music Excellence Award. Gary can speak to this a little bit also. These are for uh, people who've been people nominated. Who would never get, people who would never get in on their own at uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That will never be voted in. So Yeah, right. they don't describe it as such, but yes. And this year's recipients are Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. Right. I, and Judas Priest is getting into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with the Musical Excellence Award. Right. But Duran but no. Duran won a vote. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, they won the, they won did, the did fan Did you vote, vote for anybody? You probably voted for Carly Simon, I would think. I voted for, yeah, I did vote for some of the, we we only get five votes. I know you right. uh, deposited your ballot accordingly. But yeah, I did. I voted for uh, some of the people who got in. Uh, I mean, there are a few surprises, actually, who didn't get in. I thought uh, Beck would get in, and he didn't. I He's thought Rage terrific. Against I thought Rage Against the Machine would get in, and they yeah, absolutely. Uh, Dion Warwick also didn't get in, and then there are some other nominees who uh, fell short. Well, I mean, Rage Against the Machine is one of the best bands I've ever heard in rock and roll. But again, let's call it what it is. It's not a rock and roll hall of fame. It is a musical hall of fame, and I don't know why it even matters to artists. I know when I went and inducted John Bon Jovi, I said, John. Who gives a shit about this fucking dump? I care. I want you to induct us. It's done. It's done. But who the hell are these assholes voting on? Who's the best rock and roll? Yeah, band? how Jesus dare Christ. they? Do they write music? <laughs> Some they, of them can do. Can they sing? Can they do any of this stuff? Some of them do. Hey, anyway, uh, thanks for that update. Also, I want to, as long as we're talking music, John, let me um, give one more musical note before Cheryl Crow comes in. Um, 
Just want to make give everyone this update. Failed presidential assassin John Hinckley Jr. is doing great. He's hitting the road as a musician. We like to... He's going on um, tour. He's going on hey. tour. Hinckley announced a redemption tour. This is the guy who tried to kill President Reagan, and uh, he wanted to impress Jodie Foster, the actress. Um, he uh, he's he'll be stopping in Brooklyn, Chicago, and Connecticut so far. And the Brooklyn show is sold out. You can't get tickets, Robin. How uh, many four, ven- how many seats in that venue? Four hundred fifty person. I, I mean, I should they should lock up everyone in the audience. Yeah, like I want to yeah. know who goes to a John Hinckley concert. I want to know, and I want the FBI to investigate. What do you think of that? So, uh, you know, you don't know. Are these actual fans of the music, or are they just going to see a car wreck? And um, who Even knows? Even if it's a car wreck, you shouldn't be watching uh paying for tickets to see John Hinckley do anything. Here's his new single that just dropped, John Hinckley, Long Lost Yesterday. I think he should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Coming at you, John Hinckley. Everybody's looking for an answer, all right. Living their dream. And I'll give him that. Well, I was just thinking that Manson could open for him. Yeah, we don't mean Marilyn. We mean the actual <laughs> yeah. Manson. Charles. Yes, Charles. Yeah. Uh, 41 years ago, just to remind you, John Hinckley opened fire on President Reagan, hitting him and three others, including Press Secretary James Brady, who was partially paralyzed for the rest of his life. And now he's out there on tour. Which shows you what? It shows you that the world's gone mad. Uh, John is running his entire operation on social media where he lists his contact info to book shows and correspondence. He puts a no- Oh, he put a notice on Instagram that he's looking for someone to play drums and bass with him. Um, Robin's going to do bass. I'm going to play drums probably. <laughs> so if when you go to the show. Everyone, because I do this. Everyone is looking for an answer. That's my drum part. Everyone is looking for some tea. Everyone is looking for an answer. I had enough. Hinckley was found not guilty of the assassination attempt by reason of insanity and sentenced to institutional psychiatric care, but he's on the road. There you go. I guess he's all cured. Not a danger to anyone anymore. Right. Except with that music. New single, Long Lost Yesterday. Single. Eh, Drop the single, Robin. That's what it is. (laughs) He's going to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame one day. Oh, here's the message. Would you like to play drums or bass for me? No, I like to shit on a drum in front of you. (laughs) I'll be a drummer and just remind you that you're at best a mediocre musician, not even, and and, and certainly a terrible shot. You couldn't even get that right. Well, this is the other problem that... Yeah. He was sitting in that hospital all those years practicing, and this is as good as it got. 
That's what it shows you, you know, because they say if you put in your 10,000 hours. Now, this guy had nothing but 10,000 hours. He had hours. nothing but time. Yeah, he still sucks on guitar. He should be playing like Prince at this point. And I'll tell you what, this is what pisses me off more than anything. You know, when you go out on the street and you survey people about me, they hate me. And uh, uh, Hinkley, he's got better fans than I do. Here are real comments from Hinkley's Instagram post. We love you so much. God bless you, John. Love you and best of luck. I've been waiting for the chance to tell you I have loved listening to you on YouTube ever since I found you. I don't even get comments like that. <laughs> uh, my fans are like, he sucks. He's lost it. He's a blowjob. He's a fucking moron. He's um, he's not funny. Bring back Jackie. You know, I mean, I get every fucking nonsense thing. <laughs> we uh, went out on the street. You know, Johnny Depp is not coming off great. At, no one's coming off great at that trial. And, you know, and... and, and you think women. So we go out on the street. We go, hey, would you rather date Howard Stern or Johnny Depp? Now, I should be able to be Johnny Depp now because uh, I haven't proven written... to be a great mate. Yes, I'm in long term committed relationships. Well, you can look, you can guess what happened. Here you go. Who would you rather date Howard Stern or Johnny Depp? Johnny Depp. I guess now with the trial going on, I seen that he's more of a gentle soul than I expected. Johnny texted the following about Amber Heard. Let's drown her before we burn her. I will fuck her burnt corpse afterwards to make sure she's dead. So would you still rather date Johnny Depp? Mm, I mean, it is just words. So I'd probably still date Johnny. Johnny also wrote, I hope her rotting corpse was decomposing in the fucking trunk of a Honda Civic. Still, Johnny? I mean, uh, you're asking me to take words over actions. So, yeah, still, Johnny. Johnny Depp. Well, he's more sexually appealing to me than Howard Stern doesn't do anything to me. But Johnny texted the following about Amber Heard. I have not one ounce of emotion for this gold-digging, low-level, dime-dozen, mushy, pointless, dangling, overused, flappy fish market. He was mad. You know, that happens sometimes. Still Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp. Why? Good question. Um, don't like Howard Stern? He's obnoxious. Uh, but how about Johnny texted the following about Amber Heard. I hoped her rotting corpse was decomposing in the fucking trunk of a Honda Civic. Still Johnny Depp. It's all words. I would probably date Howard Stern. Mm. Oh. No, Johnny. I changed it. I changed it. Johnny Depp. Actually. Really? Why? <laughs> I'm going to keep it to his acting skills. And um, he does seem like a genuine person. Oh, he's genuine, all right. Wow. Wow. I thought you one, can win. one woman came through and then she switched up on me. I tell you, Robin, I get no respect. I get no respect. No, not My fans, one drop. John Hinckley has better fans with this shitty music. Everybody. Everyone is looking for an answer. Oh, Jodie Foster, the famous uh, movie star and director, is on the phone. Yes, Miss really? Foster. Jodie Foster, everyone. Hi. Yes, hi. You know, I was getting ready to protest. Then I heard this song, and I, I started tapping my toes. And within three minutes, it was so good, I whipped out my tits. I, I just love this music. Are, are, you, are, you, are you finally yeah. impressed with uh, John Hinckley? Yeah, if he had just played this for me instead of shooting the president, things would have been a lot different. Right. You know, all right. Not, well, there you go. Jody not... Foster. Thank you, honey. Jody wow, Foster finally, finally breaking through, John. Yeah. All right. Uh, also, um, I 
want to finish this mail before I talk with Cheryl Crow. So uh, let me also uh, remind you that I have a phony phone call for you. Richard Christie, um, he was telling me he came across a religious Internet radio show. Very, very religious women praying and carrying on. And the hosts yeah. pray in tongues. They pray in tongues. You know, um, la, well, that's la, when la, you la. run out of words to say, right? You yeah. just gobbledygook. He t- he, so he says to me, they, they sounded a little ridiculous, but they sounded kind of musical. <laughs> Here, I'll, I'll play what he heard. He played this for me. Listen, this is the greatest. Uh, the uh, Wait. the one. See if I can find it. Yeah, here's a sample of them praying in tongues. Uh, the ones who are going to be praying in tongues today, glory to God. Uh, we're going to start with Pastor Catherine. Pastor Catherine, you may begin now. Hallelujah. Yeah, so he liked this show. He called in. How did that was done? She know. They know each other. They know when they're done. I bet that stuff annoys the hell out of Jesus. I'm just convinced. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Richard called the show. He remixed some of their prayers with music and called them back as famous music producer, Russ, Rusty Geffen. Okay. And he uh, offered to sign them to a recording contract. Mm. And you know, how people get seduced. <laughs> how did that go? They get seduced very easily. They're, they're oh. doing an internet radio show. Here we go. Amen, amen. Uh, open up the line. Okay, tell us your name, please. Hi, my name's Rusty Geffen. I'm an executive with Jesus H. Christ Records, okay. and I'd love to make you ladies my artists. Would you be interested in spreading the Lord's word to a worldwide audience? Um, I believe we would be. Fabulous, because, you know, your prayers in tongue sound very musical. How does making an album sound to you? Uh, yeah, it sounds very exciting. It sounds extremely exciting. Uh, now, the music behind it would definitely have to be, you know, music that also glorifies the Lord. So that's just my first thought. I've already hired famous producer Abraham Rubin to put some of your prayers to music. Would you like to hear? Yes. Great. Here's Praying in Tongues Oldies style. Amen. 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 Awesome. Hallelujah. So what do you think? Ooh, that was good. Amen. <laughs> God has given you that anointing to do that. So thank you. Thank you for doing that for us. Here's one for the kids. It's gospel EDM. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. That was magnificent. I can tell you're excited. I'm going to make you stars. That would be awesome. 
I would like something to mix classical with it. It would be beautiful because some classical music is very peaceful when you're speaking in tongues. Well, it's funny you say that because I've already hired producer Moses Ronson to create this Praying in Tongues classical version. Oh, that's good. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I enjoyed myself in the spirit today. Hallelujah. All the time. Amen. So are you in? Yes, and I know who that is. Praying in the spirit, too. You'll make a deal with me? Ah, thank you, thank you. Amen. God, you, you just made a deal with the devil. Please, devil. The old speaking in tongues, heavy metal style. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Wow. Well, that's what happens when you deal with these record producers. It can be hell. They, they say yeah, but I can't there. believe how they immediately all band together to speak in or pray in tongues to get rid of the devil. That was amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, they they got rid of him. <laughs> Good job, Richard. What was your favorite praying in tongues? Do you like EDM? Do you like oldies? Do you like classical, uh, heavy metal? What is your favorite? Mine, mine was the heavy metal, of course. That of was course. Uh, that's actually a band called Cannibal Corpse. The so- real song is called Hammer Smashed Faith. So it was Richard, a blast it seems like uh, you, you freaked them out so much you kind of ended the show. I mean, it sounded like everybody <laughs> just started praying. <laughs> <laughs> it blew their minds. Like all of a sudden, you know, they all come on and they and they have to band together like the Ghostbusters to yes, get rid of the devil. and they're chanting to get rid of you. Uh, yeah, like it you. took all of their chance to get rid of me. <laughs> Well, great job on that one. Uh, Let's go to Liz in New Jersey. Richard Christie, everybody, who got caught masturbating in a toy box, hiding from his neighbors. Uh, Yes, Liz. Hi, Howard. I just wanted to tell you, I would fuck you any day over Johnny Depp. No question. Ah, now you talk. How come we couldn't find you on the street? (laughs) Yeah, what were you busy with yesterday? (laughs) We searched high and low. Well, aren't you sweet? And uh, thank you, Liz. Yes, if I was absolutely. single, I would I mean, already be over in my car in New Jersey in two minutes. <laughs> I love you forever. And my husband's name is Harold, and he has the same Jewish name as you. He's three also. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, there you go. Thank you, Liz. No, I love you. Love you so much. Well, there I could get laid, and that's something. Well, that was exciting. You have to get past her husband. <laughs> I know. That's the problem. Uh, by the way, a lot of people liked hearing from uh, fake Johnny Depp yesterday. They got a kick out of that. Johnny Depp uh, was fantastic. His cadences were identical to the real one. I love your courage. Coverage. Oh, coverage. I said courage. I don't have courage. Like courage? It took courage uh, to do that? Howard, please. We want more Johnny Depp. Um, that guy sounded just like the real Johnny. I thought the Johnny Depp call was real. Blah, 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 blah. Now, that was the real Johnny Depp. Wasn't it, Robin? I thought it was. 
I tell I, you. I thought he was busy with the trial. Yes. Had to be there to see what Amber was going to say. People continue to be disgusted by Jeff the Drunk's penis pics. More on that in the future. But uh, oh I want God. to get to Cheryl you know, Crow. So now more people are coming forward to say they have been harassed Robin. in this way. It's a pandemic out there. <laughs> Pe- penis pictures from Jeff the Drunk. <laughs> you anyway, know, once um, I thought of following Jeff. I'm so glad I didn't. You need to follow Jeff. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, well, I'll tell you. Uh, let me get to Cheryl Crow, but I got a story to tell you about that. But that'll oh, be for boy. a future show. Well, Cheryl Crow is with us. The new documentary, Cheryl, premieres on Showtime May 6th. You can always hear Cheryl Crow's music on uh, Sirius XM. There she is. Hello, Cheryl. A real Cheryl. rock star. A hey, real guys. rock star. Cheryl Crow. Look at you. Look at you. Look at us. Look, look at, at us. your band. What a beautiful <laughs> band. I mean, um, how do we go from there? You know, Cheryl, we've been doing this wa- a long time, Howard. Yes, and you know, I was watching the. Do- By the way, congrats on this documentary because yeah. I'll, I'll be honest with you. You weren't a fan uh, before that. No, I've always now been a are. fan of yours from early on. But I, you know, a lot of rock documentaries are shitty. Let's be honest. Yeah. You got to find the right director. You got to find the right producer or whatever, because some of them are just a whitewashing of things. Yeah. And some of them are not satisfying. I don't know why. But I feel this documentary really gets to the essential point. And the essential point is you are an extremely serious musician who has written millions of hits. And yet there's some kind of um, lack of respect. For Cheryl Crow, mm. I feel like people don't recognize you. For example, we just announced the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You're not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You're eligible. Your career has spanned more than 25 years. Uh, you've won. I, I think you've been nominated for 53 Grammys. You've uh, been you've won nine Grammys. It, it's insulting. N- not that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame means anything at the end yeah. of the day. But it's insulting, right? I mean, it's just, it's it's absurd. Well, wasn't that the point of the documentary to remind people that Cheryl Crow is a true artist? I don't, I mean, I didn't approach it like that. I definitely, when I asked, well, first when I was asked to do it by Showtime and my manager, I was like, absolutely not. You know, if I go down in a fiery plane crash, you have, you're welcome to it. And then, you know... I grew up and and I still just love documentaries if they're good, like Nina Simone's documentary. And I mean, I even watched the the Go Go's during the pandemic, and I was like, I was reminded of these girls were the first, you know, to be a full on like legit all female band. And it changed. You are so right, by the way. When I watched the Go Go's and, and I read um, the bass player's book, yeah, I love I love the books. You know, uh, you go, you know, fuck, they deserve. They deserve to be in the rock. Yes, they do. They do. They 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 really broke ground. Yeah. Yeah. But in my case, you know, I just felt like I was always kind of an outsider. And then having All I Want to Do and songs like Soak Up the Sun define me. So many people wrote me off. And when they came to me and said, do you want to do a documentary? I said, only if the story of the person is told and not the, the rehash of the awards and the, you know, 
all the cool, fun, you know, all that stuff. Because there's a whole world there. I mean, I was 30 before my first record came out. And I had I had real jobs. Like, I was a school teacher. And I waited tables for years and years. And there's a whole life there that isn't just all I want to do and happy songs. And those oh, songs yeah. aren't the ones that define your career anyway those are just the ones that are ear candy it's the ones that you write that never get heard that are ones that tell the story so you know what can yeah. you do yeah you're so right because when i when i think of your career and this came out in the documentary and it reminded me you're you're accepted into the pop world because you've had real pop hits i'm talking about shit you hear on the radio constantly but At you're Home also Depot. And Whole Foods, yeah. a lot. But, you, but you're also <laughs> accepted by the rock and roll world. When Keith Richards shows up in the documentary and he talks about his little sister, that being mm-hmm. you, and he accepts you as, um, you know, a true equal as a songwriter and as a musician, that's that's gravitas. That's, you know, rock royalty reminding us that, uh, hey, Sheryl Crow is no lightweight. And I like that he appeared, uh, you know. I didn't know you. I, I know he did cross, you know, when you when you did an album with other mm-hmm. artists. I know you did a song with Keith Richards, mm-hmm. but I didn't realize you were close. But then, of course, you are. You, I mean, the Stones called you when they did that pay-per-view special. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And and, and that, that, I mean, that blows my mind. I can't you know, imagine it's, what. It's so weird because I grew up in a tiny town with three stoplights. And my vision of how to get out of my town was through uh, Fleetwood Mac and... I mean, initially through Carol King, through Elton John, and James Taylor, and then the Stones, and and Bonnie Raitt. When I saw Bonnie holding a guitar, I was like, oh, I, a girl can do that. I can do that. And I loaded up my car, moved to L.A., and when my first record came out, it was such an oddball record, and what was happening was Seattle, and particularly like... Um, Smashing Pumpkins and Beck was starting to break and Hole and I was just an outsider and it was the Stones that kind of plucked me out of um, being an outsider and said, hey, welcome to our our scene and that was the scene I, I wanted to be in anyway and always felt like I was born too late. You know, that scene with Dylan and um, Crosby, Stills and Nash and those guys and I was so lucky to be embraced by them um, and I wouldn't have it any other way. You know, it's just been a huge honor but also the coolest thing ever the first time the stones called you mm-hmm. to actually go up on stage with mick jagger that was around the time of your first album coming out right you, know, you right. were starting to really happen and i can't imagine what that was like the <laughs> nerves i know you've described that you vomited before you went on stage with mick I vomited uh, I all it. day. I was extreme, yes, um, yeah. I, I I vomited all day. I was so terrified. And then right before I went out, um, Bobby Keys, the great Bobby Keys, handed me a bottle of tequila and said, um, "Here's a little courage," and kind of shuffled me out. And <laughs> you know, and I literally I can remember exactly what I was thinking when I was like, you know, six inches from Mick's face. Oh, this is the guy who's. The zipper on sticky, you know, uh, that I yeah. unzipped on the record. You know, I mean, yeah. you just go back to being that kid who is looking at somebody who you looked at on, on the records. And I still have that. Like, I, I texted him recently and asked him if he'd play harp on Live With Me because we just redid this song that we initially sang together. And 
Yeah, and by the way, Cheryl's going to do Live With Me, and that's one of my favorite Stone songs. And you talk about the these songs that define an artist. Mm -hmm. That's not one of their most popular songs. It isn't, no. And, and, and I'm so glad you're going to do a cover of that today. I can't wait for that. But Yeah, we just but, felt like because it was featured in the documentary, it would be cool to do. And he played harp on it. And, I mean, as I was texting him, I was just thinking, holy crap, I can't even believe I have his phone number. You know, I don't think it ever, I don't think you ever lose that fan you know i'm still a fan i'm a huge music fan i'm a huge fan of the stones you don't ever lose that and texting him and hearing back from him i was just like you know, i mean it's I'm losing weird, it this is really weird to admit but I, I mean i've watched that video of you on stage with mick you know the the two times that you were on stage that i know of that are on in film and i do get and this sounds weird but i get a little bit uncomfortable I feel like I feel like Mick wants to fuck your brains out. Really? And yeah, I feel like he's. I'm gonna like text so him and ask him. Ask him give right me my now. Phone, I'm gonna ask yeah. him. He, I'm gonna say I, I Howard mean, thinks that you want to. <laughs> let's fuck just see my what, brains out. Yeah. Yes. But but do you know what I mean? I mean, Mick is he is chasing you all over stage. He's you know he's thrusting his pelvis into you. He's. And I'm not saying it was anything inappropriate, but I'm I saying, actually, I'm going to be honest with you. I am the only woman he's ever loved. I, I swear to God, I, I, I there's such a thing. Well, you know, it's funny too. I watch when and you every were on woman stage. That. When you were on stage with Prince, Prince loved. Um, um, I'm, I'm spacing out on the song, but when you oh, were every day's winding road. Every day's winding yeah. road. Prince loved that song. He he jumped up on stage with you and performed it. Show crow, y'all. Prince. <laughs> Prince wants to share that microphone with you. He's he's got his arms wrapped around you, and he's holding a guitar. These men go absolutely berserk for you. They do because I'm I hot. Mean, I mean, you are hot. Even at I sixty, mean, I'm hot, right? You are hot. It's yeah. fucking crazy. Like I, when I watch you, how perform, am I not I married? How is that? Too hot. I'm too hot. You know, that's right. I'm too hot. That's what it is. You know, why you, limit you myself? I'm so One glad man. you just said that. Because sometimes I watch you and I go, oh, my God, it would be so great to be in a relationship with Cheryl Crow. Like, you know, the fantasy, this fabulously talented woman. She's hot. And she we makes her own clothes. Cool. She cooks. Oh, my God. What is, well, you know, we, I listen to this song. Well, you are, because here, I'm going to play a song, which we all know, of course. It's called Are You Strong Enough? And, be the last help you it that no one stevie nicks said of this song i relate to this song because i've never been able to find a man who's strong enough to be my man this mm -hmm. song for a woman in rock and roll you're beautiful you're talented unless you're a major pain in the ass that i don't know about oh i'm not how is it <laughs> how is it that that there isn't a man strong enough to be your man how is it hmm. Well, there probably have been one or two, but they weren't the right. I don't know. I mean, honestly, I even scratch my head and go, how did I get here without getting married? Um, well, you almost did. I almost did. Three times. I was engaged three times, Howard. Three times. Count first him. time was a dude. This guy, I got to ask you about this dude. Yeah. The first time 
you were in a cover band mm-hmm. called Cashmere. Yes. And it wasn't a Led Zeppelin cover band. It was a religious <laughs> band. I'm gonna harden my heart. No, it was a cover band that was like pop hits. I was doing like Heart and Quarter Flash and even even some uh, Fleetwood Mac. I mean, we were doing Pat Benatar, all the greats. I think I even sang some Huey Lewis. And the guy hey. in the band, you fall in love with him, and he says to you, I'll marry you. I want to marry you, but I can't marry you unless you sing for the Lord. And you're like, fuck this. And you packed your bags and you went off to L.A. I did. This guy, do you do you have any contact with this guy? When you became a superstar and you emerged, does he kick? Does he, what does he do? Does he okay, you know, here's something funny. Yeah. Um, I lost track of him and then I, I ran into his brother-in-law and evidently he had moved to L.A., about a year after I did, and to hopefully try and make it or whatever. But I, all that being said, um, after I had breast cancer, I got a nice note from him. So you know, everybody eventually grows up, figures out who they are. I have a lot of, I give people a lot of leeway if they evolve. When, when you started to become, you know, a superstar, did, 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 like, did you ever? I'm, I'm a sick man, so I'd be like. Fuck that guy. Let, I hope he's watching me now. You know what I mean? Is there some sort of um, drive in you that, that says, you know what? He gave up on me. He wasn't strong enough to be my man. He had to make a thing about religion. No, I go, thank God. Thank you, God. Thank you I didn't get right. married. I mean, honestly, three times I'm like, thank you that I that I didn't get married. I mean, I got breast cancer at the end of one relationship, and it was horrible, but when I came through it, I was like, you know what? I would still be in that relationship had I not gotten breast cancer. So, in some weird way, I'm grateful. And you think you're going to be like, oh, you know, F that guy or whatever. But by the time you get to that point, you've moved on and you don't really care anymore. You know? That's right. After you broke up with Lance Armstrong, six days later, you got your breast cancer diagnosis. I did. And, um... You know, it's such a weird thing because that whole, even that guy, even that relationship, it's so interesting to me. Like, you were maybe going to get married, but he proposes after his whole controversy happens with whether he took drugs or not and all that. And mm-hmm. it was a disappointment again with a guy. Like, don't propose to me when you're at your lowest moment, you know, well, and you're all insecure. Yeah, right? that's happened twice. I'm always like, don't wait until the relationship's over to ask me to get married because you don't want me to go. Right. Jesus. No. Do Jesus men suck? Christ. Do men suck, Cheryl? Is that what we... No, uh, men do not suck. Look, I have great men in my band who've been with me for ages. They know where all the dead bodies are. I'll have to have them killed if they ever leave me. But, <laughs> Let me introduce um, these guys. Let's yeah, they're good. They're good dudes. On drums today is uh, Fred. Hi, Fred. How are you? I'm um, Howard. Are you Fred? On Fred? Uh, yeah. Hello. Okay. Yeah. Fred, are you in love with Cheryl? Do you wish you were strong enough to be her man? <laughs> He's strong enough to be my drummer. <laughs> I, yeah. I love Cheryl. Yeah, of course I love Cheryl. But I've been it, I've been married 26 years. Yeah. Fred, I, I would think Cheryl is a good uh, boss, so to speak, because she was a backup singer. She worked for Michael Jackson and, and, and all these people, so she knows what it is to be in the band. Uh, so she must be simpatico, or are, are we going to find out revelations in your book uh, a few years from now? That she <laughs> oh, he signed an NDA just like everybody else. Oh, he did. Oh, he did. Okay, so we'll never. She's see a, a royal book. bitch. No, uh, Cheryl. Yeah. she is super. I mean, 
She's the best. I, I've had a lot of great gigs, and but this is by far. I've been here 10 years with Cheryl. And Do you feel coolest. bad that Cheryl has never found a man strong enough to be her man? <laughs> you sit there and go... Jesus, what's the story here with Cheryl? Do you do you, do you oh. ever try to set her up with a man? I have not tried to set her up Maybe with a man. Maybe there's a reality show in this. What do you think? Mm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think the band should have to uh, set you up with a guy. Uh, let me introduce Jen Gunderman over there on keyboards. Jen, good morning. Hi, good morning. And uh, playing Let's ask Jennifer key- what she thinks about this conversation. Yeah, Jim, what do you think of oh, Cheryl's um, no man? Do you no think it's is- necessary that I get married? No, that's exactly what I was just thinking. You have a super full life, two beautiful kids, a family, like, a, you know, friends. I, I don't really see that you're missing anything. She's always been my favorite. <laughs> Do you feel like you're missing anything, Cheryl? Do you? Uh, I don't. Uh, do- I mean, honestly, um, I don't. I, I'm sort of at a point in my life where I, I let go of the reins and said, you know, if it doesn't look like my parents then that's not the story and i'm super happy if some guy walked in that'd be great but i gotta be honest with you um i got two boys they'd have to like they'd have to get on the escalator going at the same pace and it's it's a lot to have somebody come in and start parenting your kids and you know i'm 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 super happy so and i've loved and i've been loved and i got a great life Tim Smith over there on guitar. Tim, is it intimidating playing guitar? For I believe Cheryl's a great guitar player, certainly a fabulous bass player. Is it intimidating when Cheryl comes to you and says, listen, Tim, you better get this right or I'm kicking you the fuck out of this band. <laughs> well, that happened. What, is, what are those moments like? <laughs> it did happen? Yeah, I haven't played with Cheryl in a while. I'm actually filling in for uh, the two gentlemen that normally play with her. They're both not doing well right now or they're, someone's not feeling well in their family. So, But I've been on your show in the past and stuff. Yeah, it's, uh, Cheryl's a musician. I think what you said earlier about her being playing with Michael Jackson and stuff, I think we all, for me, and I've played with other people as well, she um, knows how to take care of people at this level you know working musicians right. and stuff and that makes all the difference the star thing is not uh an issue really i feel tim, like this, who else this have is, you played for this is your life yeah tell yes, me uh, tim, who else have you played I for <laughs> i played with noel gallagher from oasis oh, wow. um, oh, that must have been a picnic that's a handful <laughs> yeah right it's all about sneakers <laughs> and, and, and soccer so right um, uh, but when you but when you play guitar for another guitar player yeah, and someone who's accomplished on piano and all that and bass, as I said, um, uh, are you extra nervous because they are critical, right? In other words, Cheryl is a perfectionist. Yeah, I mean, you want to, you want. I wouldn't say she's a perfectionist. I think she, she, yeah, I'll chew it. (laughs) I think she knows what a vibe is supposed to be. Like playing when I first joined her band back in '96, I was a bass player. I loved the way Cheryl played bass because she played. A little bit it wasn't something she studied she was a piano player so she plays bass like her left hand on playing piano the way she would move across the bass that was unique to me whatever's best for the song you don't have to be a virtuoso player as long as you can feel the part right and that's why even playing this rolling stone song today is i learned it yesterday to be here because uh having to be here but um it's all about vibe and and feeling you know and she's always said that to us like just make it feel good 
Will you be nervous today playing the Rolling Stones song since you haven't rehearsed it all that much? Well, I wasn't until now. I'm glad I've worked myself into a pickle. Thank you. Right. Uh, and it better be perfect. No, I'm not a perfectionist. And it better be. No. And, and, and Robert Kearns, it's the same question. I mean, you're playing bass for one of, I think, the best bass players. Uh, yes. It, you know. Yeah, it's, it makes you nervous, right? I'm nervous right now talking to you, Howard. Yeah, see? My voice is probably a little shaky. No, you see, he used okay. to be the bass player in Leonard Skinner, so I, I'm not yeah. really... Yeah. I'm not no really shit, worried. man. Yeah. Oh, man. I, I mean, when do you know you're a professional bass player? Is it the moment that, that Leonard Skinner gives you that uh, validation? When do you know? I think it's when you don't have to work a temporary job anymore. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and you can just pay your bills by playing music. <laughs> Is Jack Bruce the greatest bass player uh, that ever lived? He's one of them for He's sure. One of them. James Jamerson. Yeah, mean, James Jamerson. Uh, Willie we're, Weeks. Willie Weeks. Willie Weeks is one of my favorites. Um, yeah, well, you guys would know better than me. I I always thought it was Jack Bruce because he can play chords on his bass. Uh, he's great, kind of cool. Jack Bruce. I like him too because he's very unique. He uses one finger, which I like because that's my right. that's my technique too because I, I don't think know how to play. That Cheryl's a great bass player, like Tim was saying, and uh, I kind of consider myself like a meat and potatoes bass player i'm not real fancy but that's why i line up with cheryl's bass playing which is my perspective i like it (laughs) cheryl were the hardest years for you when you first went out to la and we know the famous story of the mcdonald's commercial you did Mm -hmm. and all that and and you cover that in the documentary but there's a whole bunch of things that i I wonder about for real with the life of a musician Mm -hmm. first of all your mom is a uh you know she was a piano teacher right Mm -hmm. yeah um is that what it takes to be a musician? Do you have to be exposed at an, an early age? You started learning piano at five. Do you need that? Is is that, you know, we don't, we're not lucky enough to come from musical families, a lot of us. Oh, gosh. I think the, some of the greatest artists didn't come from musical families. And, I, you know, it's you get older and you start looking really philosophically at things, like why some people make it and some people don't, why some people are, I mean, like working with Prince, he he's he to me i just thought he was like an alien i've never been around anybody who was that talented and i don't even know his background i don't know if he came from a musical family but i think there's some people that are just pulled towards it or their family but i think there's some people that are just pulled towards it or they're picked or they manifest it or i don't know i mean i know people that are way better musicians and better singers than me great songers that don't make it so i don't know what the order to the chaos is except to say that um i i had a lot of tenacity a lot of like i wasn't going to give up just because people said i sucked and um and i think that's a large part of it yeah don't you think that's it i know so many radio guys who who have beautiful voices they were really super talented blah 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 mm-hmm. blah I lost track of them over the years. So many of them just dropped out and said, hey, I can't make a living at this. Yeah. I think I was almost like I was so driven to be on the radio. It was all I had. It was all I could ever imagine being. Yeah. It, 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 it Like maybe it, it's like Ray Painters or anyone else. They, they are so dedicated to doing it over and over again. Great stand-up comedians over and over again, going to clubs, yeah. getting rejection. Yeah. There's something in you. Is it a need to be loved? Oh my gosh. I mean, that is like a five hour conversation. Yes. I mean, I think when you grow up and you figure out, you think it's your responsibility to make people happy, including your parents, and you shuck and jive all the way through. 
Um, and the, whenever anybody's face lights up, you associate that with being valued and being loved. And but inside that it doesn't compute. And, and you know it's psych one hundred and one. There's there's so many great um, illustrations of that of people that are huge. Um, who will tell you the same story. I don't know why that was my story. I grew up thinking that I could make everybody in the world happy, and it doesn't work like that. And I when, also when think you, that you, like what you're talking about with the energy thing, like you you can't not be a radio guy that it, you identify yourself with that. And I think there is a large part of it where you manifest it because you you align yourself with this identity. It's the thing that, for me, that was the caulking it filled in all the crevices and it it made me want to raise my voice into the fray and talk about how sad i was and how and how broken i was but at the same time how dedicated i was you know you write these songs that come out of nowhere but then you also craft these songs um these other songs that are you know they're good pop songs but it's the ones that you feel like you just open yourself up and and you know like redemption day or or songs that you don't even know where they came from that keep you going, that make you want to go back in the studio because you might just possibly come out with something that blows your own mind. Yeah. And that's that's the whole thing. You know, it's why I'm still doing it at my age. Yeah, you know, just now when you were talking about this topic, I got really sad. Oh. I don't know if I was sad for myself or sad for you, but this a horrible feeling that I've got to make people love me yeah. or I need this attention indicates that in early life mm-hmm. you were so deprived and and you know you turn to big audiences and things to get this kind of love and of course it's beautiful it's beautiful to have fans and all that other stuff but it indicates how really deprived you felt as a child but let me say one thing about that, and that's, um, I came from a, like the ideal family. My parents are still married. In fact, my mom turned 85 yesterday. My dad's 90, and um, we're all really close. I think, I, I came in with a melancholy that I couldn't define. Like, at an early age, I carried around this weight, and I would go, and I could play by ear, so I'd play, you know, I'd play Stevie Wonder and I'd play um, Elton and I I would I would play these songs that made that soothed that I don't know that it was my parents' deal I think I came in with melancholy and mm. um, and I think that that ultimately I mean I talk about my mental health in the documentary um, I have the really low lows but I also have the really high highs and after I got diagnosed with breast cancer I had to figure out how to navigate that where it didn't take me out yeah. Wow. I, I didn't really. Yeah, and it's interesting for you to say that you don't feel like your parents deprived you of any kind of love, that you just think it's a, a it's like a biological thing. You know, are you referring when you say some of your best songs are maybe not the most popular song and stuff, but I think of the song Weather Channel where you where you talk about you refer to the black dog, mm-hmm. which, of course, is what is, you know, Winston Churchill called right. depression, the black yeah. dog. It's such a great analogy for depression. And, um, you know, you say it's a happy little song about suicidal tendencies, but those are the songs that are meaningful to you, right? Those are the ones. They, they are. I mean, but as an artist, you, you know, you don't go into, I don't go into the studio and think, okay, 
Um, I mean, I have, but I don't go into the studio typically and try to write a hit song. Um, I'm not pulled into writing to try and make money. And some of those songs are um, the ones that just mean something to me and i know they're never going to get heard but and that's why i encourage young people i'm not going to make albums anymore but i encourage people young artists make albums because it's the songs that are the album cuts that will really tell the story of the person Um, you can write hits all day long get 18 writers put grooves together and do all that but do yourself a favor and write the songs that matter to you because those are the ones that give other people hope you know they're the ones that people listen to and go oh my god she's writing my story or he's singing exactly what i'm experiencing and that's but what art you, is but aren't you happy now that you came up in a time where there were albums kids today yes. who are right if they write an album nobody fucking listens to an album and so even if you write these deep tracks as we yeah. call them you know tracks that you fall in love with uh, you know, when I used to get a Stones album, you you know, it was those you love you love the whole album. Oh, Nowadays, yeah. it's but it's futile to put out an album. Nowadays. I don't know. I mean, I think there are a lot of young artists. Like, let's look at Phoebe Bridgers, for instance. Okay. Um, I, you know, I, I have dug deep into her records and even Brandy's records and um, Lumineers, yeah, Lumineers, and I mean, there's so many great artists that are making full artistic statements um but obviously i didn't i'm not growing up with the six second attention span like kids are now um i I still i still say do it you know we can't we can't bow down to the norms now you know art lasts forever um i look at who was it um who became so big after he passed away i want to say nick um nick drake nick drake yeah, and th- that music really mattered. Elliot Smith, man, that guy, I listen to his records still, and I just go, okay, um, songs outlive all of us. You know, we're still hearing stuff at Classic Rock that matters, and some of those people are gone, and more and more of them are going to be gone every day now, and that music will still matter. So, I don't know, I'm I'm probably a little bit of a dinosaur. My My kids say, Mom, you know you were born in the 1870s. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, Cheryl, what was it like when you got out to L.A. and, okay, you you, you started, uh, you know, the big break was singing back up for Michael Jackson. I mean, mm-hmm. you came out there and, and all that. But And then even as you were early, you know, early on, you, you, you sang back up for, I think, George Harrison. What did, what did you do with George Harrison? So George was on the 30-year anniversary of uh, Bob Dylan. That was at Madison Square Garden. I was actually the backup singer in uh, in the house band. So I also, you know, was there when Sinead O'Connor kind of had a meltdown. And, I mean, it was quite a night. Um, but for me, I got to stand behind Booker T and the MG. So I was like, damn. Is, is that something you love? Like, I know you went on Colbert last night, and you were essentially a backup singer. I was, Is that yeah. something you love because it takes all the pressure off you? You're just supporting another artist? Or is it something that you go, what the fuck am I doing? I am no, a star. I love it. I mean, Lucia's there. I do. I mean, there's so much. I'm inspired by the old people that brought me here, but I'm also, I get off on a lot of these young artists that are um writing amazing stuff and it's it's fun to lift them up you know to show up for them just like some of these people showed up for me like the rolling stones and stevie and um 
I, it's my, you know, it's my way of paying it forward, and it's fun. So Lucius goes on Stephen Colbert, and what? Someone calls you and says, will you sing backup? No, Brandy and I, Brandy was co-producer on that record with Dave Cobb, and she and I sang the backup, and then Brandy wound up getting COVID. Um, and this great young artist, Elise, is opening up for Lucius. In fact, I think they're playing tonight, maybe, at the Beacon. And okay. um, so they asked Elise to fill in for Brandy, and we sang the parts we sang on the record. That's cool. when, when you but when you first started out, was it mm-hmm. so frustrating to have so much talent to be singing backup for other people? And when you were like, "Fuck this! I just want to I want to break out on my own." Was it really hard to? I mean, now it's fun to go out and support someone. Yeah. But I'm talking about in the beginning. Um, was it was it difficult to be in the shadow of Michael Jackson? I, I know it was a big break, but it it, it, it had to also be frustrating because you knew who you were. Nah, I don't know if I did. I mean, I, I, we all had these four track recording systems and I spent a lot of time in my hotel room writing songs. I worked with Greg Fillingaines who taught me a ton and I never saw myself as like, I gotta be famous. I Mm. wanted to be, I wanted to be great. I wanted to write music that mattered like landslide or like yesterday or, you know, I just held the bar so high. I never thought about, okay, I want to be, I want to be famous and I want, you know, designers to dress me and all that stuff. That was not it for me. And then when it did happen, it was very confusing. You know, you mentioned landslide. It reminded me of something. Last time mm-hmm. I talked to you about this, but I, 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 I had questions. When you said that Fleetwood Mac was considering putting you in the band, and uh, I guess it was when Christine McVeigh or whatever her name is, Christine McVeigh said, uh, I'm, I'm leaving the band. Is that when they were considering putting you in Fleetwood Mac? Um, you know, it, I, I don't even want to speak out of turn because I, I don't remember the timeline of it. But I know there was there was talk about them going back out, and I know that she didn't she she didn't want to go. Um, she was enjoying you know her life at home. Um, but I think what happened was I was kind of excited about the the prospect of that happening and so i spoke about it and that really pissed um Lindsay off oh it did oh it did bum, bum, because, bum. Oh. <laughs> Lindsay's a great guitar player and singer songwriter too yeah, How, he's great. You, you mean you would have done it you would have um joined fleetwood mac on tour and you know toured with them and be part of the band but Lindsay put the kill on it because you spoke out of turn. Maybe. Oh, wow. Were you tremendously disappointed and angry with yourself? I shouldn't have said anything. I should have kept quiet. Oh, I don't know. I mean, nobody's perfect, right? I mean, if you're a kid that grows up listening to Rumors and Fleetwood Mac and suddenly there's talk about maybe getting to go on the road with them, you're kind of excited. You know, oh yeah! And you open yeah. your big fat honking mouth, and then it's like, "Oops!" Oh my God! Bum, bum, I, doo, 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 you know what's doo. ironic? Now, now you and Lindsay are out of the band. Well, there you go. <laughs> I am in works. good company. I'm in very good company. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know that's so cruel in a way, though. I mean, okay, you were excited oh. about it. You met. By the way, how secure is Stevie Nicks that she would want Cheryl Crow? in the band oh, with her listen i she is my absolute uh, she's my 
my archangel, my northern star, my my mother from another life. I mean, she's just, I can't even describe how awesome she is. Why is she so awesome? We know she's a great songwriter, but why is she she's, so awesome? Well, first and foremost, she's the only person I know that is a fully realized artist. Like, she looks at life as it's as art she is always writing poetry or painting i mean i guess joni mitchell is also like that i mean they they see life as a painting and they're in the painting and um but also like you said she's not competitive i mean she's lifted up more women than any other woman that I know. And there's a lot of talk, particularly where I live in Nashville, in that, you know, we can defend each other, but do we lift each other up? Um, And she is that woman, and she's completely honest and generous with her storytelling, and she shows up. She's just, I mean, I can't speak highly enough of her. And she doesn't have to do any of that. I mean, she could be a total diva. Um, Right. But she is just open i mean i i hope to be that open no because like look stevie's a beautiful woman and everything but like do i want hot cheryl crows next to me up there maybe i want to be the uh you know the one with the with the spotlight on me i don't want dudes looking her over you know what i mean it's really let me tell you what well first and foremost stevie is so hot and i do contend that when you were singing something like landslide you're so much i mean the persona is just it's all in there you know um i can go see um paul mccartney perform and he may as well be in his right out of the documentary he suddenly looks like he's in his 30s and um but the other thing about her is she loves that having you know having the women she loves Amazing. lifting her, her voice up with women. She's not intimidated by that at all. And I just, it's a kick, man. Yeah, that's a secure person. Yeah. I, I you know, I, 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 gee, I just, the notion of you being in Fleetwood Mac, I think that could have produced some really interesting. I think Lindsay was a little bit um, short sighted, not trying that experiment out. It would have been really interesting. You even maybe possibly writing songs with them. Well, I mean, it's highly... I never got to have a conversation with him about it afterwards, but it's highly possible that he was considering other people as well. And that kind of made it where, oh, I guess we have to have her or whatever. So, you know, I don't know the whole story. Here's a trivia question. Okay. Who did Stevie Nicks say was the great love of her life? Joe Walsh. That's right. Look at you. I'm a fan. See? I'm a fan. Joe Walsh. Yeah. When you were, here's a question. You want to hear something what? crazy? 1981, yeah. I saw them. I was going to Mizzou, University of Missouri, and I saw uh, Stevie Nicks and Joe Walsh um, play together at wow. Hearns Arena. Yeah, I was in the audience. Must have been amazing when you actually became friends with her. Here's a question about when you did the album and you had different artists work with you. Mm-hmm. Joe Walsh being one of them, who, yeah. I, who I think is just amazing. You know, He's amazing ridiculous. lyricist, amazing, yeah. you know. He's so smart, so funny. Yeah. When you wrote that song with Joe, which I think is a great song. Thank you. How, how come in the video 
Joe is barely in the video. Was there some controversy there? Did the Eagles tell him he wasn't allowed to be in the video? What what, what was it? Because I watched that video. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. a fan of that song. I'm a fan of the video. And the song is very Joe Walshy. You know, it's uh, the lyrics uh, yeah. are, are smart like that. And it's got a great groove. It's a rock song. Yeah. But what? where is Joe in the video? Um. So that video was actually shot in my driveway. And, um, yes, my assistant filmed all of it on an iPhone. And we did it on the cheap. And we sent, you know, sent him what we had and said, would you do something? He was already, he was in LA. And then we just pieced it together. So it wasn't, you know, when you get to be my age, you can't afford those million-dollar videos. With the- <laughs> yeah. It's a great time. Still the good old days. Good song. Love that. Thank you. Early on when you were doing backup singing before you became, you know, Cheryl Crow, one of the names that popped out at me, and I always saw this guy as tragic, was Johnny Mathis. I remember Uh my sister, my sister had all the Johnny Mathis albums. And, you know, he was considered this great singer. But the reason I considered him tragic was he, he was a gay man. And he he was never out of the closet. Hmm. And I don't know. I I always see sadness in that, that people don't get to live their life authentically. Yeah. Because of the trip everyone lays on people. Yeah. What, what, what was, uh, was, did you sense that sadness or am I just sort of in a fantasy land? Um, I did not. I didn't sense that sadness. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I didn't actually know he was gay until you just told me that. Right, and that well, does. You're naive. I know that does make me sad. Um, well, that I does like make you. me sad. Yeah. But my my parents, I think that was one of the one of the earliest recording sessions I got to be a part of. And my mom and dad, I called them and said I got to sing backup for Johnny Mathis, and they're like, "That's great, honey. You can come home now. You've made it." <laughs> it really, Just you know, turn around, get in your car, and come on home now. That guy put out like a hundred albums or something. Yeah. I don't know what it was. He was tremendously successful. Yeah. And and it's true when you're a young artist and you're trying to make it in uh, L.A., um, you know, to get a gig singing backup for Johnny Mathis, it's like you kind of feel like you arrived, you know? Yeah. Millions of those. Absolutely. I, I always think it's amazing, um, you know, you would think after you did that tour with Michael Jackson. Right. You've arrived. Like, wow, you're you're performing in front of millions of people. You're performing Michael Jackson. There's rumors that you're dating him and all this stuff. I saw this in the documentary. It's so Got great. Got paid $2 million dollars to have his baby. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you were the girl who was with Michael Jackson, which they probably put out to make oh, him I'm seem sure. like he, Yeah, I'm, I'm sure, sure it was planted. Yeah. But, 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 you know, after that tour was over, you went back to your waitressing job. Yeah. Like, that's the reality of show business. It's such a crazy scene. That I, whole people- thing, though, I mean, you know, um, well, there's a whole backstory to that with having his manager take that notoriety that I was accruing and, you know, trying to architect some some pop career around me. And I didn't want to be a pop star. And then the sexual harassment was involved in all that. And then the threat of you're never going to work. And my going home and 
putting bands together and playing my music and having everybody in the industry say, well, we don't know what to do with a blue-eyed soul singer. Or, you know, I got a ton of excuses. And I just felt like it was all tied together. Like, the word was out. Frank had sabotaged me. And also, there wasn't, you know... it was Lisa Lisa and the Cult Jam and Madonna and Paul Abdul. And I came off the Jackson tour and I wasn't that. And I eventually went through the money and got waiting, you know, waiter jobs and went back to what I was doing before. And it was, it was, it was tough. It was really tough. I mean, it's tough coming off the road and just sinking back into your own life no matter what. But that was, that was some other kind of tough. Yeah, I can't imagine what, what you went through with all of that. I, I, You know, the documentary really brought it home for me. This guy, uh, Frank DeLeo, we're talking about, was Michael Jackson's manager. And, uh, you know, he had the hots for you. And, um, you know, these guys, they're such bullies. They, they know how to manipulate situations, whether it's with men or women. They know how to zero in on your weaknesses. And, you know, hey, I can make you a star. I can make you big. You just come on, be my girlfriend or whatever, and you know uh, it's it's and you know you you feel but you were strong enough to say no. You could see where a lot of women would say yes because they just you, you want you want to be successful and you start to buy the dream, mm. and that's probably the most heartbreaking thing. Uh, well, I, I came think. out of that at learning that, and this was during the age of Paola. I got a crash course. of how it all worked during that time and i was i was pretty um disappointed with the the idea that you know i grew up in the midwest my parents really you know puritan work ethic you work hard you're a nice person put one foot in front of the other and i just thought that that was i thought good things would happen and then i learned that okay the way this really works is that you get some big corporation and they buy a million records and then it comes out on the top of the charts and it it just was like what i'm I'm never going to be able to make it in this business you know and um it was it was it was pretty demoralizing yeah i think you got to have the attitude early on i found this in radio i never dreamed of being in a radio station in new york i was just happy to get a job for 250 dollars a week yeah. Just announcing, you know, and, and mm-hmm. playing records and stuff like that. I mm-hmm. was just so excited. And in a way, that naivete keeps you in the game. Yes. Yeah, totally. Right? Because if you don't have that naivete, you start to, you know, you would become overwhelmed. You'd say, well, I can't make it in the business. Frank yeah. Leo hates me because I'm not blowing him backstage. And, uh, you know, and, and, and everyone's out to get me. And how do you get a record deal? What you did was you just said, I'm, I'm going to be innocent. I'm going to be innocent. I'm innocent. And I'm just going to keep writing songs and hope something good happens. You know? Yeah. It, that really came through. That really came through. But it can be I'm debilitating. Stubborn. Yeah, no, it can be debilitating, these guys, you know. It hey, was different, though. I mean, I, I hope we're, you know, we're in the throes of the Me Too movement. Um, and hopefully... When stuff like that happens for women, at least they're not victimized. And I just didn't at that at that time. That was you know, thirty years ago. It was a whole different a whole different ball game. So hopefully we're you know we're making some strides. Uh, Frank uh, even threatened to sue you over one of your songs because you named him in the song. You 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 name him by name. You go you know hey maybe if I had put out for you I you know I'd be a star or something. That took balls. 
Well, speak cojones. Well, doesn't uh, yeah, it? Yeah, actually, I mean, you know, it was no. Clarence Thomas, Frank DeLeo. That, that was the line. Clarence Thomas, Frank DeLeo, dong. Maybe if I let him out, I had a hit song. Right. And that was going on during the Senate hearings with Anita Hill. Yeah, of course, uh, Biden was residing over all of that. So, you know, it's yeah. it's weird how everything comes kind of back around and you reflect and go, wow, that's Yeah, weird. that was the uh, Nana song. I think that takes balls. Okay, I mean, you want to hear something weird listening to that? Yeah. Okay, I, okay. so that was when uh, the Beatles sold their catalog. Well, didn't accidentally, Michael Jackson bought it. Um, the U.S. Army, there was a big debate about gays being in the Army. I mean, 30 years later, we're still kind of, we're going through these same topics. It's so funny. And Larry Parker, he was the first lawyer to advertise on TV. And now, like every commercial is either drugs or lawyers. Uh, it's just, you know, it's weird. You know what else freaked me out in, the, in going back to the Michael Jackson days? At some point, Michael Jackson, when you were on tour with him, you, this is all from the documentary. It's, and, and, mm-hmm. I, and I recommend it to everybody. You, you, you're talking about how Michael says, hey, um, why don't you spend the night, you know, come over and visit with me. Nothing sexual, obviously. It was just like, hey, come, come over. And you guys watched Amos and Andy movies. Uh, which is weird in any way. You're, you're sitting there with Michael Jackson, biggest pop star in the world, uh, watching Amos and Andy, and then the chimpanzee is there in the room with you. And in order to discipline the chimpanzee, he starts poking him with a pen in the chest. And as someone who you know is involved with animals and animal rescue, I I got so offended by that that he was poking this poor little chimpanzee in the chest with a pen you must have been appalled you, well he, this poor little chimpanzee that could have picked him up and thrown him out the window you know right and ripped his face off <laughs> and ripped his He's, face off yeah right i'm yeah. just trying to like i'm just trying to like stay in my body because <laughs> michael's <laughs> laughing at anastasia and throwing popcorn and poking bubbles in the chest and i'm just this you know, girl who just moved to L.A. seven months ago, who used to be a school teacher. And, yeah, it's... Did you like, think he was going to try and put a move on you? I mean... No. Uh, when a guy invites no. you to his room to watch... Uh, but well, you were, it wasn't just me and him. It was... And also his, like, four of his big security guys. Oh, okay. It, yeah, it wasn't just us. And I love those guys. So they were buddies and... <sighs> It's so weird. I will tell you one thing, Howard. Making this documentary was such a weird experience because I hired Amy Scott because she did such a beautiful job with Hal Ashby. And I loved her artistic choices. And and then you basically just hand over a pile of archives. and. Right. And stuff I've never even seen. And then she has to pick out what the story is. So there's a ton of stuff that, you know, wound up on the cutting room floor. And a ton of stuff that was, that happened that before cell phones, right? Yeah. 
but sitting and being interviewed for hours on end and recalling all this stuff and recalling uh, the the uh, the harshness of some of these situations was so draining and also it was in a weird way liberating to finally talk about it i mean a lot of this stuff i've never ever talked about oh and i i i felt so bad for you first you of all did? Yes, I, well yes for a couple of reasons okay. the number one uh in all seriousness uh, you know i understand what you're talking about the pressure with these documents i've been asked mm-hmm. to um turn over my material for, for doc people want to do documentaries with me right I, for the life of me I, I've sat and met with directors and things like that. I can't. I don't want any part of it. Not now. I don't know. I just don't want to deal with it. Yeah. And I know what you mean because it's like reviewing and this baggage and all this shit. But I started to feel bad for you. You're, they're interviewing you and you break down and cry in the documentary because of uh, of, of the song um, Leaving Las Vegas. Yeah. yeah. Right. And I think you're way too hard on yourself in that situation. I've done the Letterman show. I know when you're on the show, you just you answer quickly because that's talk shows. Yeah. And, and you describe a scenario where when you were, this is from your first album, Leaving mm-hmm. Las Vegas, mm-hmm. and the song was a huge hit, and you got together with a bunch of musicians, and you guys on Tuesday nights used to perform together and write together and do all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And there was a book laying there called Leaving Las Vegas, and it inspired the song. And you didn't even know they had contacted the author of the book. I hope I have the story right. But, well, it's yeah. kind of right. The The title, uh, there was no book laying around. Oh. But one of the writers, we, we'd always say, okay, somebody throw out a title. And one of the guys um, was standing at the back by the great big wall of bookshelves and said, oh, here's an interesting title, Leaving Las Vegas. And acted as though there was a book back there called Leaving Las Vegas. Well... I guess, unbeknownst to us, I think he had a relationship with John O'Brien or knew him or I don't I still don't know the story because it turns out that this particular writer has a bit of a poor uh, relationship with the truth. So the story changed many times. But ultimately, when John O'Brien took his own life, I got the blame for it. Um, and yeah. there were lots of stuff written about how I had promised John. I'd never met him. And all I could think of was this was somebody's son. And right. um, even if even if your conscience is clear, it is gut-wrenching, you know. Um, so yeah. it definitely put, it, 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 it definitely, by the time I got in to make my second album, I felt like I'm going to close the door and I'm just going to write. And, and maybe I'll put it out and maybe I won't. But I'm just right. going to write. I'm going to make a record I like, and then, then I'll decide what I'm going to do next. But it, you made it the second felt- album. When you made the second album, it was such a big hit. Was that also like, thank God, because I had to prove to the world that I could write my own album, produce my own album, because everyone's accusing me of some sort of like plagiarism or something. Right, that, that's right. that's so that drive was like, I'll show you how I do it on my own. Yeah, except for I didn't feel that. I mean, it's sort of like the thing about the fiance and you're like, oh, screw him. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel that when I went and I, I felt like I felt like a 
puppy that had been slapped in the face for no reason and I, I just wanted to go in and kind of lick my wounds and I closed out I closed the doors and my record label didn't even know I was going to produce it because Bill was supposed to be there and ultimately I wound up making a record that I really love but I never read another thing ever again <laughs> I, but but when you perform leaving Las Vegas like you're mm-hmm. going to do now yeah when you perform it um, does it have a negative connotation in your mind because it caused you pain? And uh, I saw the tears were real. I mean, is it, is it painful to sing the song because it of the controversy? It took a while for me to get, it took a while for me to make my peace with it. And, and actually there are songs I make my peace with and come around to feeling really grateful for them. I also, when my second son was about six, he, I could hear him singing this in the back seat and he sang, Life springs a turtle. And I was like, oh, life springs a turtle. Okay. And now I play it and it's like, oh, I like that. You know, things do seem to sort of heal themselves. So so what do you think, Cheryl? How about taking this band, this incredible mm-hmm. band you have here with you today and yeah. singing this legendary song, Leaving Las Vegas. Why don't uh, right we now. do are it? You, are you ready? I'm so ready. Oh, this is good. I like I like watching the band get all set up. I know, isn't it sexy? Isn't it hot? Yeah, well, it is kind of hot. It's like wow, it's uh, this group that knows what they're doing with it's instruments. Like I'm so jealous. It's so yeah, fun because yeah. we're all grown ups now. We're all yeah. grown ups, you know. In the old yeah. days, you never knew what you were going to get. Like you might have one of your guitar players run in at the last minute. I couldn't find my way back to the hotel last night. <laughs> all right, I'm going to shut it. up now. Let's do it. Making a buzz. Are we Springs a 
that version of that song wow that sound, oh man well, so many morning uh, i am so curious man it sounded fantastic no let's play a whole set yeah, yeah. do you when have the like guys, a couple of hours i do for you, you anytime do? this band too Put when, the when you two, on howard uh, cheryl when the two guys are singing the background part there you yeah. know the, the harmonies what well, guys when you do that i'm fast it, it turns me on i i love when you say yes and 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 uh and jen you too you're on on that and jen so you when you guys do practice do you practice that the the the, the, the you guys come in they're with gonna the, say yes do they yes sir Yes, sir. <laughs> what does it sound like? I love doing this. What does it sound like if you guys were in a room warming up, and, so you, and Cheryl's it. not there, and you have to get ready to do that song? Can you can you do that? It's acapella? more of a drinking song you sing later at night. Whoa! Yes, you yeah, have to have but, a beer stein. Yeah, but but when you sing, whoa! Who's taking what Howard, part? How does Howard, it work? How do you Howard, break that down? Howard, what? don't. Don't sing. Don't say that. Could you, just, Cheryl? Just stick with what you do, okay? Cheryl, could you teach me how to sing? Is it possible to take someone who has no talent and teach them how to sing? I'm being serious. Yes. First, you get a, like just two shots of really good sipping tequila, and you down them. No, Cheryl, be and real then, with me. Is, uh, is it something you're born with? In other words, you can't really teach okay, someone. I'm going to be honest with you. First and foremost, Jen is the head of the music department at Vanderbilt. She should answer this. But I'll give you my experience, and then I'll let her answer it. Teaching okay. grade school kids the difference between low and high, I find that if they can't 
distinguish the difference in a low note and high note, you're pretty much screwed. Screwed. Yeah. Could that person then be a piano player or guitar player? uh, Interesting you should say that. I have a very good friend who can't carry a tune in a bucket, but he's an excellent guitar player. Is that weird, Jen? Yeah. Let's uh, let's hear from you about that. Well, can you teach Jen? Could you teach someone like me to be a great singer? I think so. I think if you, I I mean, I love the way Keith Richards sings. He doesn't have like, yeah, I love the way Bob Dylan sings. But they can match pitch. Well, they can match pitch. That might be important. I mean, you could maybe rap. I don't know. You could rap. They could teach you how to rap. Actually, we (laughs) couldn't because we're a bunch of old white people. But I think if the voice is authentic, I I think if you're like willing to be vulnerable and like, you know, make a noise that is what you feel, then that's good singing. Uh, Cheryl, is a, Cheryl is a bit of a weirdo in that I don't detect any deterioration in her voice. That some people, when they reach a certain age, they lose it, um, which I'm sure is the... Oh, sorry. Yeah. Well, 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 Cheryl, have you lost any... I don't detect that song sounded as good as it ever did. Oh, thank do you, you worry about that at all? Or do, no, you, do you vocalize I, every day? Um, I, you know, I don't live as hard as I used to. And uh-huh. my voice is really held up. And actually, I think it's better than it ever was. But that being said, my mom is 85 and she has the most amazing voice and she's never lost uh, her range at all. She still has were- all of her high notes and all of her high notes. And, and, and you have a degree in classical piano uh, and an education. Was that what you taught music when you were a teacher? I did, but see, I could play by ear, so my classical uh, was was really half-assed. I mean, like I could, I would basically learn my pieces for my juries, like in the, the two weeks leading up to it. I was not, I could never do it. And when you wrote Leaving Las Vegas, did you write mm-hmm. that on a bass? Because that bass line is, uh, you know, particularly the way Robert played it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, sometimes it even gets trippy, almost like a, a Beatles song toward the end. What he that was doing there—that um, was Dan Schwartz, okay. and he played a Jack Casty bass. I mean, I learned a lot from Dan and Bill about you know cool basses and and yeah. you know melodic writing and stuff like that. But that was Dan Schwartz, and um, the guitars. I mean, I think on that song, I just basically uh, sang. You know, I didn't play. Right. That was the first night of hanging out with those guys. And you can tell when you hear it that I definitely had a a, a few tequilas of my own. Right. <laughs> um, that would have been, I think I sang it previous to my burning um, a little hole in my leg from my cigarette. You know, it was, uh, you know, one of those nights. One of those nights. And the other thing when you were doing <laughs> the song, I'm looking at you. And uh, I'm not coming on to you. I'm happily married, but. The you know, you mentioned your age. You're sixty. Yeah. You look fucking great. I mean, like the voice. I mean, you're not. You don't show it. I don't know if you, I don't know what you're doing. Are you? Are you look. You look. I have good. Hot. I have good genes. I you will. really I, do. I made a promise to myself I wasn't going to do anything to my face. And when I watched the documentary, I watched it once, and um, I enjoyed some of it. <laughs> when you say you haven't done anything to your face, in other words, you haven't had a neck lift, you haven't had a uh, face you know, lift, you, you haven't do had a neck lift. I don't know. You haven't had a Botox or anything. No. Wow. No. You look. You look. You know what? I think more women should take note of that. 
Guys, too. Okay. I got male friends who are busy. I, to get I also think that all women should walk around with this bright light over their head, like that one that I have right there that right. blows out all the... <laughs> you look, you look uh, great. I well, mean, thank you. Uh, I appreciate and you, that. And you sound great. That, that first album, you know, you, you remember all the hits on that. Just have some fun. Yeah. Um, we know this one. Listen to me sing a Howard. Howard. I mean, so many. I'm so glad you're awake. That you're not like the others. Because they're so straight-laced. And no fun. Did you ever smoke cigarettes? I did. You did? I wasn't a chain smoker. I'm one of those people that doesn't have that addict thing. Like, I could go out. Drink a bunch of wine, smoke, and then not... I never had my own pack of cigarettes. I'm one of those people that I would bum cigarettes, and I was so cool, Howard. I mean, I always looked so cool smoking. And then I wouldn't smoke again for, you know, three weeks. Is there a singer, female or male, I don't care mm-hmm. which, that you sit and listen to and say, you know, as good as I am as a singer, I wish I could sing like that person. Oh, my God. Aretha Franklin. Right, right. Aretha I mean, Franklin. What do you incredible. make of... Uh, Brandy Carlisle's voice too is Brandy pretty is crazy. Stupefying. Right. And I right. tell that to her face. You're stupefying. She really is. <laughs> yes. And you know what? It took a long time for her to break through too. I mean, yeah. it wasn't like an overnight success. She had to work her ass off. I've known her since she was really young. She came out and uh she opened for us. She sang if it makes you happy and would go way above me on it and She's special. I mean, she's she would finally, she, one way or the other, she was going to make it. Because you cannot bury a voice like that. Yeah. If it makes you happy, it's from the Sheryl Crow album, right? The the yeah. the um, the second album. Yeah. If it makes, if it makes, you, makes you happy. It can't be that and she goes higher than you on that song. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, she does this like yodel yeah. thing. It's so good. Can you imagine artists who can't sing their own songs anymore? That's what I'm talking about. The voice that that would yeah. keep me up at night if I was a professional singer. I mean, that's your that's your great joy. Yeah, or if I would you couldn't be hear anymore. You know, we're so lucky now. We have these in ear monitors. But when I first started out, it was all like the bombasting monitors that were so loud so that they would be over your loud amps and I, mean, I know a lot mm-hmm. of people from the generation before mine that can't hear and that would oh be god yeah i mean when they yeah, when they talk about um uh, but i do have this know, like, goiter no i'm kidding <laughs> no when they talk about pete townsend can't hear anymore though i mean what a that's horrible I yeah mean, it's, it's crazy he's still rocking though now, to answer the rumor, finally, oh. uh, if it makes you happy, was Taylor Hawkins, the late Taylor Hawkins, and mm-hmm. I can't believe I'm saying that, but... No. Did he play drums on that uh, track? No, he did not. That was a rumor, you know. Have you ever heard that rumor before? No, no. You would I seem mean, he was too young, but I've I was heard that he rumor. He would have been in high school, I'm, I'm fairly right. certain. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Bruce Gary played, uh, initially played it, and then I can't remember who wound up... Do you know who played on it? Michael Urbano. Michael Urbano. Yeah. Oh. See what else we're doing. That's another one from that album. Change would do you good. Yeah.
When you were living in New York, and um, I, I, and you, you know, you, you, you talk about uh, you'd hang out with Bruce Springsteen at his farm or whatever he's got in New Jersey. I don't know what mm-hmm. he's got going on, but is that the documentary? No, I think you've talked uh, about it elsewhere. Okay, yeah, yeah. But I, I was always curious. I'm just asking you all the questions I always want to ask you because yeah. I'm I'm a big yanta. <laughs> when you would hang out with Bruce Springsteen and his wife Patty, yeah, and you guys would when when you say hang out. Mm-hmm. Would you go over there and play music? Because inevitably, I would think you guys would whip out guitars and start the jam. We didn't jam really. I mean, we would go. We'd ride horses or quads. In fact, I can remember one night we uh, drank a bunch of tequila and started team pinning. Do you know what that is? No. Where you have like three cows or maybe goats, but cows in this particular instance, and you're in a pen and you're riding a horse and you're trying to herd the calves or cows into a smaller pen and mm. we would drink a bunch of tequila and team pen which is just i mean i can't believe we did it but yeah we did yeah, do, I do that i we do that sat around and told sometimes <laughs> I, I team pen there are different other. versions of team pinning no. and i believe now you get arrested for it um, if, so why if, why if i mean two great musicians cheryl yeah. crow and bruce springsteen sitting there on the farm why wouldn't you sit and say hey let's write a song or let's do something together what, what is it not cool because you're both in the music business i don't understand that oh i think you know I think people who write music also like to create stories, like like to live and, you know, hang out. And I will say that he, like, we'd eat dinner and he would, I mean, his storytelling is just, as you know, is off the right. hook. I was like a, a student basically sitting at his feet. And, I mean, just lots of talking and, and uh, I think that's a more powerful way to collaborate than any, you know, than sitting down with guitars. Plus, you, you know, ever, sometimes sitting down with somebody like that, you, it starts to become like it's work. If you're like, okay, let's write a song. That's not fun. I mean, it is fun, I, but, you know. I could see you with the campfire going after a cow herding or whatever the hell you're doing. And then, you know, <laughs> passing like, a, maybe passing a pipe around. and You pass the pipe around, play, bring out the guitars, maybe even do like a Creedence Clearwater uh, revival of, of jam or something. You know yeah, what I mean? Or an old lead belly tune, you know. Yeah, something. You know, I, I just can't imagine. That would, I, I would think that. Oh, my Lord. Yes, would be fun. <laughs> that's what I would think. But here's the other thing. I can't I make thinking. that happen for you, Howard. But I'm sure that's happened at other people's homes where you oh, get together yeah. with musicians and you start to jam. And then do you ever say to yourself, oh, I'm not going to jam one of my hooks that I'm thinking about because I don't want to give it to them. They could subconsciously take it. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, yeah, there are a lot of spies in my business. <laughs> well, there are. If you have a great hook, you're not going to play it for somebody and, and give them that, right? Uh, yeah. You're not feeling traffic like that. Yeah. I'm trying to think it. of an instance when that. Mm, I have co written with people specifically for them for their records, like the Dixie Chicks. I went down and right. we wrote some stuff together. And when you're in that instance, you want. Because you want to get something on a Dixie Chicks record. You want to create something that's really cool for them and um but yeah i guess in other instances i don't know whenever you're sitting around collaborating and you're playing a guitar and you're having some beers or whatever you're not really thinking about oh dude i think i just came up with the full-on swimming pool you know (laughs) but how would it work let's say on threads would you like would you sit with uh stevie nicks and maren morris and write together so Um, yeah, I wrote that song specifically with Stevie in mind, and I wrote the song 
for Willie with Willie in mind and right. with Joe he flew in and we sat and wrote together and that was really fun and I mean for the most part the collaborations were true true collaborations um and you know even with with Keith which is just when I think about it it's so crazy to be here in New York recording a song that he wrote that I absolutely loved and he met me there and was like let's do it together and then reflecting on the fact that 30 years before as a school teacher I was in the hall when they did Hail Hail Rock and Roll and there's Keith and Steve Jordan on stage and I'm in the audience just going god this is crazy it's so great and uh you know and then cut to 30 years later I'm in the studio with Steve Jordan producing and and Keith so that that's really how the threads idea came up cuz there are so uh, many of those that's that, great Keith yeah. and Richard like this man Doesn't it drive you crazy that Mick and Keith fight so much? I mean, they've made such beautiful I, yeah. music together, Cheryl. It's like, but they're still together. They're like brothers, you know. I mean, but that, but the they're animosity. not like Fleetwood Mac where they where they leave each other. They they still they. It's like Levon Helm. I remember him saying to me, "Honey, I'll guard your gun side." I mean, I think they are they're in it for the long haul together. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I it doesn't bug me. Oh, it bugs the fuck out of me, and I it don't does. even know why. I, I have no. Do you skin lose in sleep over it? I lose sleep over you it. You do. Uh, let's let's get an exclusive right now. I'm thinking okay. in this uh, as we review your career. I'm thinking of this song again. My favorite mistake. Again, you've never revealed who your favorite mistake is. In other words, there was a guy who was a mistake in your life, but you really loved him. And even though it was a mistake, I don't know what this guy did to you. He rocked your world. This is the way I interpret this song. Yeah. What was the mistake? The Why mistake. Was it a mistake. It was a mistake because it didn't work out. Is it? And I believe the answer to the question is, and I mean, I'm not saying anything profound. You've heard this before. It was Eric Clapton, of course. Your your love affair with Eric Clapton was your favorite mistake. You think Cheryl, so? Yeah, tell me yeah. the real deal. Give me, give me an exclusive. Oh, was it Eric Clapton? It was actually Warren Beatty. Ah, uh, no, well, kidding. you know, isn't that who the, um, "You're So Vain" was about? Yeah. Yes, well, right, right. They say. That. Let me tell yeah. you. Let me tell you something. Carly, Carly Simon mm -hmm. came on my show, whispered in my ear three names she had never told anyone. Oh, I had an effect on her. Now is your time. I have an effect on you, obviously. You're completely enamored with me. <laughs> yes. Who, who was your favorite mistake? It's time. Just three Cheryl. names? No, one name. Johnny Mathis. No. <laughs> Johnny Mathis. How dare you? Um, and uh, Michael Jackson. Keith Richards. No, I'm kidding. No. Um, I, I couldn't reveal that. Why? Really? Yeah, no, I just couldn't. But why, though? What is just, the thinking behind it? You're so open about everything. Why Because why I'm suffering from severe memory loss, and I can't remember <laughs> which one of the 3,000 men. So what was the, um, what was, I bet you there's been 3,000 men who have hit on you in your life. I mean, uh, you're intoxicating. 
Only Why? three thousand? What are you talking Only. about? Well, <laughs> let's divide Every that man. up over sixty. Okay, let's start. Maybe you know that wouldn't be right. Do men embarrass themselves in front of you? Uh, do they? Do they do weird things? Um, uh, they, you're, now, well, now wait a second, Robert. You're saying yes. What do they do? <laughs> uh, what have you seen? What have you observed? Uh, there's a lot of uh, guys that get close to Cheryl backstage, like guests, you know. And I think that they uh, try a little too hard. I think, you know, trying to Do you feel protective when those situations happen? Yeah, I think I've seen so. him beat the shit Absolutely. out of people. No. Mm. I'm kidding. Jen, you were nodding your head yes. What have you observed as another woman? Do you, is it a ridiculous what these guys do to Cheryl? Because, you know, we see it with male rock stars. Uh, yeah, the thing that makes me most uncomfortable is when they, like, kind of, I don't know, physically, she's very petite, and they'll, like, kind of yeah. stick her under their armpits, and, like, it's, gross. like, it's really gross. Like, yeah, I, it's it, gross. Yeah. I, Is that why like the top physical, of her head uh, smells like deodorant? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've always got, like, a, just a smear, like, right here. <laughs> But, 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 yeah, as another woman, you must be a little bit, um, put off by it because guys are stupid. That's not the way to get to Cheryl Crow. You gotta, you gotta play a little bit aloof. Am I correct? Uh, uh, yeah, but the good news is that she can handle herself. So, I mean, she barely needs, I think that we're all there ready to, like, you know, kick somebody's knees, but it's not really necessary. Well, I even saw it when Mick Jagger and Prince were performing. They, 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 they're almost swallowing her mouth when they're singing with her. They're, 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 they, they rush over to share that microphone. You know what I'm talking about, Cheryl. The men are always looking to share that no mic idea, with you. I no Senator. I was not in the room at the time of the allegation. Um, what happens if you're sharing the mic with someone and they have horrible <clears throat> breath, Cheryl? What do you oh, do? Oh, gosh. Has that happened to you? Um... I, yes. I, I I don't know if I should. No. Yeah, no, I can't. What happened? Tell me what happened, please. No. What happened, Cheryl? No, never. No names, never. but uh, just tell me what happened. Oh, Give no, me a I scenario. Don't actually, you know, I can't really even think about, I can't think of anyone. Can you think Some of men, wait yeah, a second. Yeah. Some men, Cheryl, should not move in and share a microphone with you. Keep the mic to themselves. Am I well, correct? I've, I've sung with a lot of smokers, for sure. Uh-huh. Yeah. But, um, you know that, that nasal thing? Ew. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah, when somebody's got like post nasal drip oh, and yes. they open their mouth, they want to sing. It's like, <laughs> you, I, there's a great microphone, right? Over yes. There. Yeah, you know. So but you can't, they why, can't help it. Can you explain to me? Can you explain to me why a man would be a favorite mistake? In other words, explaining the lyric, I woke up and called this morning. The tone of your voice was a warning that you don't care for me anymore. I made up the bed we sleep in. I looked at the clock when you creep in. It's 6 a.m. and I'm alone. Did you know when you go, it's the perfect ending to the bad day I was just beginning? When you go, all I know is you're my favorite mistake. In other words, whoever this guy was, I read these lyrics like it's the Torah. What I, right, in case I'm ever with you, I don't want to make, that's right, I don't want to make a mistake. In other words, what you're saying is, in all seriousness, mm-hmm. This guy, you knew this guy didn't care for you anymore. He wasn't treating you like when. Okay, you first I'll give met you the him. scenario for this particular person. When I first Thank met you. this person, he was with somebody uh, at a radio event, and I was like, "Oh, that's that's weird." Um, and then um, the next time I saw him, which was also at a radio event, <clears throat> he was holding hand 
Oh, actually, no, at the same radio event where he was holding hands with this famous girl, um, before we left, I saw him making out with another famous girl. Both of these, one was an actress, one was a singer. And I was like, oh, that is, that is so gross. And then what happens? Then, you know, much later on, we wind up on a handful of gigs together, and I get sucked in. There you go. Do you hate yourself for that, Cheryl? Because you know the guy. First of all, making out, unless you're on the TV show The Bachelor, making out with a woman backstage, and then two minutes later, making out with another one. Yeah. It's disgusting. It, it's, it's too much. It's, it's like, dude, calm the fuck down. You <clears throat> yeah. get it. You can get women. Yeah. So aren't you disgusted with yourself when you say, I know this guy's bad for me. Yeah. And I'm getting sucked into the same. Yeah. He's, he, Way to rake me over the coals, Howard, all over again. Yes. 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 So you so the answer is yes. And the answer is like drugs. You couldn't help yourself. This I guy know. was a drug. This guy was a drug to you. I'm going to quote John Mayer here, and I'm going to say you love who you love who you love. There you go. Right, right. But but the whole time you're with this favorite mistake, you're saying to yourself, he's he's out there making out with someone else what probably. What the hell am I doing? Yeah. Oh, my God. And how long does the favorite mistake stay in your life? How long do you put up with this? You know, I it, it, I felt bad for about eight or ten months, and then I never thought about it again. But that being said, um, he, he, there have been several other favorite mistakes since him. Oh. Yes. So, oi vey. Yeah. Oi vey. Really? Oi vey. Not you, what is that? that stove. Cheryl, what, what is that? What is that? Why do you, you know they're bad for you. I you know. know I wa- know. Why? What I'm is going sucker. on? Oh. Yeah. I just, I don't know. You know, I pick dudes that are, I don't know. I don't think I'd do it again because I think, you know, you don't get it until the second you get it. And right. I think I got it. But, do the um, dudes have to be musicians? Is that a turn on? No, no. They do. You don't no, want to no, date no. musicians. I like funny people. I do. Right. I like funny people. Uh, I mean, I've dated famous people. I've dated athletes. I've dated not right. famous people. Um, it doesn't matter. Mm. Don't matter. All right. Well, good. That's that's. Uh, and, there and, 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 are mistakes and, in other professions, is what you're saying. There, it's, if, it's an open opportunity for anyone to be in the category of my next favorite mistake. And, and by the way, as Jen says, uh, one th- one warning, guys: do not stick your armpit on top of Cheryl Crow's head when you're hitting on her <laughs> yeah, because no. it ain't going to work out no. well. No, no. Oh, there's so many songs to discuss, but I'm just here. I'm going. I'm always amazed when a song you think is a throwaway, right? Well, the Soak Up the Sun, you didn't. Did you think it was a throwaway? Did you did you almost not release it? No, I didn't think that one was. I thought all I want to do is a throwaway, but I didn't. Unbelievable. Think, yeah, I didn't. I, How can you be so wrong about your own music? I all know. I want to do is a Does throwaway. Does anybody ever really know? I mean, maybe they do these days because things are so crafted towards the six second attention span. But I just, I thought it was kind of a throwaway. And my brother's like, no, you got to put that on there. It's mine, my favorite, my friend's favorite song. So I was like, okay. Wow. Isn't yeah. that amazing? So many artists say that. I had yeah. no idea this was a hit. I, I, in fact, I didn't even. 
Yeah, but I mean, uh, that up against uh, Smashing Pumpkins and uh, the Cranberries, it just didn't sound like anything else. You know what I mean? It yeah. sounded, it sounded, you know, kind of good. Well, I know, I, I can't wait to have your band do this song because this is one of my favorite uh, Rolling Stone songs. And um, uh, we're talking about Live With Me, and we were talking earlier. There, there's this, you know, I remember buying that album, and, uh, you know, it was one of those tracks that I love, but it was never, you never heard it on the radio Mm-mm. or anything like that. And that's Mm-mm. what's great about an album experience. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and what do you love so much about this song? Well, first and foremost, I love that I have this memory that goes along with it. And the the other thing was when when Mick called me um, to set up the scenario, I hadn't really exploded yet, but there was a big buzz. And I was getting played a ton in Colorado and then a ton in France. So we'd be like, okay, let's tour Colorado. Okay, now we're going to France. And I was in France, and he called in the middle of the night. My manager said, I think you're going to get a call from Mick Jagger's management. And he called in wow. the middle of the night. And it, so I got over there. He asked me if I wanted to do Dead Horses. And I was like, yeah. So I get over there, and I see Keith. And Keith's like, hey, little sister, so you're going to do Live With Me? And I was like, sure sure and i'm like oh my god how's it go how's it go i gotta remember and uh and so you know i just have this incredible memory of being thrown into the big boys club the real rock star circus and are you a quick study like that that um they change up the song on you uh do you, you don't have to go back and study the song in the lyrics oh, the i used thing? to be a quick study i'm not so much anymore um in fact i have a real hard time with lyrics now and i think part of it is just getting older and would you ever know. in concert read uh, lyrics off a teleprompter or would that just be a no-no does that take you out of the song i do it you do i it. do it yes yeah. i do I do, uh, it, and it, I don't look at it very often. I find that when I do look at it, I make more mistakes than if it weren't there. But I, I, it's just a comfort level for me. It's a security blanket. I get it that. Is, what, yeah. what is this guitar you're uh, mm. strapping on now, Cheryl? Tell me about it. This looks very interesting. This guitar is it? A, um, does it have an unusual a sound of a guitar a that um, was my first guitar. Uh, mm-hmm. My first guitar was a 59 Telecaster, and that's, this is, am I, te- am I saying that right? It's basically, yeah, a reissue. I think it's been Why don't relic- you have your original Telecaster? What, well, and, and why not a Stratocaster? Why did you go with a Telecaster over a Stratocaster? Um, because Keith plays. He plays ah. mostly. I do it Because Keith plays a Telecaster, you play a Telecaster? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Wow. I own that. Yes, yes. It's that simple. <laughs> yeah, it's that simple. I, I don't and, sound I can't play a, a strat and make it sound like anything. And your and your first electric guitar was a telecaster. It was, yeah. And you want to hear something really crazy? Yes. My first electric guitar as well as every other Gibson and um drum kit, Hammond everything got stolen the day before we left on our first tour out of our rehearsal room. They left oh us all God. the Gibsons, so we just figured they were a country band. And right, um, right. Yeah, so um <laughs> Yeah. So. Do you like Gibsons? I I like the sound of a Fender guitar over a Gibson. Am I uh, well? If they on left that? all the acoustic Gibsons, and I love acoustic Gibsons. I also love Martins. Um, you know, for me, it's really about the actual guitar. 
you know, the way the neck feels. Um, I even think there's some juju when it's been held next to the body of somebody. I think, you know, I look at the metaphysical aspects as well. You and know, what does this sound like? Uh, what does the guitar sound like when you just... Uh You know. It's a tinny sound. It's a tinny sound. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. It's good, right? Now, now for this song, Tim, what are you going to be playing? What kind of guitar are you playing? Uh, it's a telly as well, but it's it's made by um, Nash. It's a kind of a luthier that makes kind of copies of tellies, but I think actually better for me. You can get a Telecaster that isn't a Fender Telecaster? Yes, you can. I, well, why don't I know that? But the police are downstairs kinds. ready yeah. to arrest you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean, that I mean, sounds illegal. You can put together, you can buy all these parts online and put them together, and guys do it all the time. Is that your favorite guitar? Uh, it's one of them for this. Let me hear you wail on that thing. Let me see you. Oh, that's a good sound, right? Oh, yeah. 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 Do you for practice Rolling a lot? Stones? Not really, do you, no. You don't. In other no. words, you go home, you don't have to play guitar anymore. You mas you're a master of guitar. Do you remember Jellyfish, the band? I, know, I remember the name. I don't really... Yeah, uh, Tim, you've been yeah. Jellyfish. There you go. Oh, I said look it. at you. Look Mr. at me. Mr. Jellyfish. I thought you were in the Jellyfish. <laughs> and Crowded House. You toured with Crowded House. Yeah. Oh, did you? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Wow. Enough about Tim. Let's hey, get back hey. to me. Yeah, right. Yeah. How dare you? <laughs> Robert, what is your bass? What bass are you playing today? I'm going to be uh, I'm gonna be representing the Gibson Guitar Company. This I bass. see. Yes. Let me hear you play anything on the... When uh, someone says to you, play the bass, what, yeah. what's your favorite thing to play? Uh, the favorite thing to play? Let's see, how about... Yeah, move to sing. Join the band, right? <laughs> yeah. Now, Jen, on this song, what are you going to be doing back there on the keyboards? What do you? What do you? What's your approach? A piano. Oh, if I could do that! I took piano lessons. Sadly, my teacher killed himself. Uh, oh my god, that's the yeah, worst hated. thing I've ever heard. Yeah, yeah, I was out of the piano business after that. And 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 the drums are Ludwig drums. Those are the drums the Beatles played. Is that correct, Fred? That's right. Yeah, ring. Yes, you made them famous. Ones? No, those are Ringo's And you and, and you got yeah. this down. You know, I don't, you're going to play this in Charlie Watts style, or you're going to add your own flavor to this. It's a little different from Charlie's. Yeah, a little. We, different. we changed okay. it up a little bit when we yeah, recorded we did, it. Um, in fact, I, I explained to Mick. I said we did sort of a Jack White Cheryl meets Cheryl Crow version because we oh. didn't want to do it exactly the same because you can't reinvent the wheel and have the wheel be as slick and smooth. Well, here's Cheryl Crow with Live With Me, a Rolling Stones cover I'm very excited about.
I love that. I like when you and uh, when you and Jen starts harmonizing together. I know. That, that, no, that's really great. Do, you, do just do that acapella for me, please. Do it. Just, you, you and Jen. Let me let me hear that. It's so great. Come on, let's Where try. Start? it. Anywhere you want. Um, let's see here. Um, uh, uh, the scores of harebrained children, they're all locked in the nursery. They got earphone heads, they got dirty necks, so 20th century. Well, they queue up for the bathroom round about 7.35. Don't you think we need a woman's touch to make it come alive? You, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. She sounds that, good, right? When you when you first started working with Jen, did you know she could sing? Was that part of her job description? Or I did be... not. And uh, ah. she, I, I, I YouTubed her. She used to be in this band. What was it called? Dag. Dag. You need to check Dag. them out. She's a badass Nabbit. singer. What did you yes. say? Dag Nabbit. I used to hear them say that. <laughs> Dag Nabbit. I say Dag Nabbit yeah. around my house because we have a swear yeah. jar. But uh, right. yeah, she's badass. Oh my God! That you two, and, and you've got to go up high on that one, Jen. Right? You got to go up a full octave higher than than Cheryl. Well, not quite an octave, but yeah, higher. Yeah. Oh God, that is. I, I just admire that so much. I could. I just love it. You know, and I. I would love for you to do ten fucking Rolling Stone songs. Okay, let's do it. Like, what should we start? Here's with? what I want. Here's what oh. I want. I'd start with Love in Vain. Ooh. I'd move to Memory Motel. Oh wow. Let it loose. All down the line. Rocks off them and Moonlight Mile. Moonlight Mile. Oh. Okay, will you have us back? Throne. Will you have us back? Can you yes. prepare? Yes, I'll have you back. Come yeah. in tomorrow and I'll. Can we? I'll, okay, uh, we'll, we'll come in tomorrow and we'll play those just, songs. Because your interpretation of it is so good. Thank you. And, and, and on that song, that's the song where Mick flew you on a private plane, right? Yeah, and, it is. Um, I hope they you. like it, you know, because we sort of messed with the bass line a little bit and I worried about it, but um, anyway. I like it. Thank I didn't you. know you played harmonica. I do. But no. Mick's better, so I got him in. Is he a good harmonica player? Is he oh better? Oh, my God. He's like one of the best. I wouldn't tell, know. Like he's, big... he's studied, you know, little Walter. and I mean, he's he's a dude, man. Do you agree with me that Alanis Morissette should not have used harmonica on her legendary album? I can't speak to that. I really Yes, can. you can. <laughs> I can. You're a musician. You know. Do you ever listen to me? Do you ever listen to music and go, why the fuck did they put harmonica in that? And, or why um, did they do that? Do you analyze other, when you hear a hit song and you go, as a musician, do you sit there and go, why did they do that? Do I, do I go like, it. oh, that was a really poor, poor, a poor choice. Yes. No. No. You know who's a good harmonica player? John Popper from Blue Oh, yeah. He's, he's like, yeah. I mean, that's something else. I don't even know what that is. Yeah. But you ever would have amazing. a lot to say about this because she's also a producer. She produces yes. the music. She knows what, what will work and what won't. Well, yeah, she's it such a show work off. out okay for Alanis. <laughs> yeah. I thought it yeah. worked out okay. Yeah. It worked out great. It's a great album. Don't get me wrong. I, I just, you know, you got to use harmonica sparingly, but I like how you did that. Well, gang, this is amazing. We celebrate, first of all, Cheryl Crow's new documentary. She did it. She had, sure, did she have hesitation? Did we learn today that she was nervous about the documentary? Of course. 
And she likes some of it. <laughs> she yeah. She likes some of it, but can bear she can't bear to watch it. But you can watch it. I like it. the parts I wasn't talking in. I know yeah, it's what you hard mean. to watch it's yourself painful. talk. Yeah. Oh, tell me about it. Yeah. Um unless new you have documentary- this bright light on you right there. <laughs> Uh, the new documentary, Cheryl, premieres on Showtime May 6th. It's really one of the good ones. And, and and like I said when we started out, it is weird that you're not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Can you address that, uh, Cheryl, and tell me how you really feel about it? Because it's to me, it seems a great crime. Um, well, I mean, I'll be perfectly honest, and I don't want to sound like sour grapes, but I don't really care. Good. I know that sounds terrible, but um, when I first got started, everything was different. All the award shows were different. Now everything's kind of commerce-based, and, um, you know, like the Grammys totally changed the trajectory of my whole life. And, right. Um, and it meant a lot. And I'm, I'm at a point where I love what I do, and I won't quit doing it. And if I'm in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame someday, that's great. But if I'm not, that's totally fine with me. I don't really uh, As you know, I will not induct you. I know you're thinking, oh, I'll get Howard to induct me, but uh, I can't. I did that once, and I'm, I'm out now. That's it. I'm out of that business. I'll have Robin um, do it. Robin will do it. She's yeah, available. I would love to. Uh, the documentary makes us realize. We're, we're cancer soul sisters. I love. Yes, that's, that's true. true. That is true. The, the the documentary makes us realize Cheryl Crow has to be celebrated. Celebrated, and what a great musician she is. We love it. We love uh, the documentary. Uh, everyone around here watched it and was raving about it. So um, awesome. I'm happy about that. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. So many things in your career to talk about, but what we learned. Cheryl's available. Yes. If you're man enough to be her man, if you're strong she's, enough. She's looking for another mistake, too. I mean, she'll oh, take right. whatever. Yeah. I've I'll been called whatever. a mistake. That's my next album. I'll take whatever. Yeah. And, uh, or maybe it's the name of my reality TV show. Yeah. If Cheryl Crow fixed up, I'll take whatever. And what are you going to do the rest of the day? Now you've done the ultimate. You've done the Howard Stern show. That's right. Morning, so, it's all downhill yeah. from there. What is I it think gonna... I've got a whole day of uh, talking about myself lined up. Hey, oh, do you? Yeah. By the way, yes. you know what else fascinated me about the documentary? That I didn't realize you lived, for a while, you lived with Laura Dern, the actress. Yeah, which she lived is with me. Yeah. Yeah. I, and what's so weird is, like, you were already, you know, it wasn't like you were some struggling artist. You at didn't that need point. a roommate. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. You were, yeah, yeah. It, it's just, it's, it's weird. You were like, yeah, why don't you move in? We spend so much time hanging out. Yeah. And well, that, she, technically, she lived in my guest house. Like, we didn't share a bedroom. Oh, I see. But, how uh, was she? We're very, what were her very living different. habits? <laughs> Did she clean her bathroom? Were there ever things you found in the bathroom that were upsetting She's you? She's a neat freak. A total She's a neat, neat freak. freak. No, right. I don't really know. And your schedule to be, and you're scheduled to be on the Stephen Colbert show tonight with uh, Glenn Close as a guest. That, oh, that'll be awesome. exciting. That will. What are you going to perform on Colbert? What are you? I'm not. Do? I'm just talking. Oh, you're talking. Yeah. They're not going to have. But you I'm perform. planning on doing it naked. So. Ooh. Oh well, I'll watch. <laughs> what the viewership? What are you, you going to wear on Stephen Colbert? You I have don't, to pick it up. I don't really know. I'm Is not that really true? sure yet. No, that's true. Wow, yeah. that's shocking to me. Women yeah, usually always have everything picked out in advance. I'm like granimals. I have things labeled. Things go together. No, I don't really know. I'm not sure. But I'll let you know. This, and I want to thank your fabulous band. I am impressed with them. They are some musicians. Yeah, they are. I am really, uh, I'm jealous. Thank you. I know, they're Wish awesome. I had... and, they're, and they're pretty nice people. 
Yeah. You guys all started young family. playing. Yeah. Like 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 what like like you have to start what? Five, six, seven years old? Is that it? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Maybe. Jen, how old were you when you started playing the, the Yeah, keyboard? five. Five. Wow. Yeah. Mm, it's too late for me. Tim, how old were you? Eight. 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 Robert didn't start until last year. He's good though, right? <laughs> yeah, I tell you, he's real good. Yeah, Robert, how old were you bad. when you started? I was about ten, I guess. Ten, late starter. Yeah. Late Fred, starter. what about the drums? Seven. I can imagine your mother must have been like annoyed because my mother would never let me play it drums. It was her She's, idea. It was her. Wow. Yeah, she wanted. Isn't that play. great? Yeah. Isn't that great? Hey Cheryl, one last question, yeah. and yes. I'll let you out of here because yeah. it's been seven days you've been on the air with us. Um, <laughs> Time flies, though. Is that true that you auditioned for Jerry Maguire the movie that you were going to be the Renee Zellweger part? I didn't audition for it. I got sent the script, and I understood that he was thinking about me for the part. And I was in Europe when I got sent the script, and I'd never acted, and my career was just taking off. And I was like, ah, I don't think I better go do that because what if I suck? Then people will never think of me again right. as a good musician. Yeah. Right. So I didn't do it. Smart move. It's good to say no sometimes, right? That's yeah. the lesson. I think uh, it worked out great for Renee. Uh, sure <laughs> it did. Certainly uh, did. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cheryl Crow, we love you. One of the other things you. I loved about yes. the special or the the documentary is all of the attention you give to the Lilith Fair because that's oh. like so that was so major, cool. Yeah, it was so major. I mean, you know, I, somebody asked me about it the other day because there's, I guess there's an anniversary of it coming up. And there was nothing like it. And it was radical yeah. because even at that time, I'd asked uh, my agent about having this great female open up for me. And everybody around me was like, well, you can't really have more than one woman on a bill because men won't buy tickets or people won't buy mm, tickets. Right. And Sarah was like, no, 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 we're going to defy that. And it was awesome. It was incredible. A real game changer. Yeah. yeah, the documentary's that great. A lot of old that. footage. I love seeing you on the TV show Cop Rock performing uh, <laughs> yes. the song. Oh, that's great. That, that yeah. being my acting debut, that. that was, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, nothing better than that. I think that's uh, why the new documentary. Thought, for me, thought of me for uh, Jerry Maguire. <laughs> <laughs> the new documentary, Cheryl, premiering on Showtime May 6th. Here's Cheryl on Sirius XM Pop Rocks Channel 12 and Road Trip Radio Channel 301. And uh, thanks for the performance, you guys. And um, and thanks for giving us so much time today. It was fabulous. And uh, always good seeing you, so Cheryl good Crow. To see you. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Howard. Thank thanks, Robin. All good right. to see you guys. Thanks Bye for having guys. us on. Bye. Well, there you go. One of the great artists, Cheryl Crow. As I pointed there out, there is the... one scene in that um, documentary. I mean, like, she's like an incredible looking woman. Oh, I'll say. And there's one scene in the documentary. Where she runs up on stage in like a half shirt, oh, and yeah. she's she does got a lot of that abs. I mean, yeah, well, oh, it's a yeah, she's amazing, yeah. and you know she's just incredibly talented. And sometimes I think that people just think of her as the pretty girl who can sing a song, as opposed to this incredible musician who well, plays so many different um, instruments, and she produces and she writes. And, you know, that gets all taken for granted because she's so, so good looking. Yeah, I'm a sucker for those uh, belly shirts, I call them. <laughs> um, any girl with like a flat stomach like that, oh, my God. You know, and then you see her singing. It's intoxicating. Yeah. I hear you, Robin. Excuse me for one moment. <laughs>
Anyway, I love Cheryl Crow. Thank you for doing that, She's Cheryl. And fantastic. I fantastic. Yes, uh, and it's no a great bullshit. documentary. Yeah, yeah, the do- yeah, no bullshit. That you know, we're not saying it because she was on the documentary is really good, and a yeah. lot of those rock documentaries are not. So check it out. All right, uh, Robin, we've put in a full day of work, like uh, like coal miners. We go down in the Should coal mine feel- and we did it. That we accomplished something today? <laughs> Absolutely not. Not this stuff. <laughs> but uh, anyway, thanks for uh, being with us. See you next time. Goodbye.